Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. Welcome to this edition of the Hagman Report. Doug Hagman, Joe Hagman, something I like to call America's premier father-son investigative reporting team. I want to welcome everyone into tonight's broadcast on this Monday, November 6, 2017. Uh, off of a weekend, just an incredible weekend in terms of, uh, well, the chaos that exists on the streets of America. Uh, off of a week that uh, saw a terrorist attack, of course, in New York City. And then, of course, on Sunday, the horrific uh, bloodshed in a small Texas town. And it, just think about the, um, just think about how, how being in that town and, and how everyone really in that town is affected by what happened. There's no getting around it. Everyone was touched in that town. It would be like the, 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 the town, 362 uh, residents, according to the late, latest census or the latest uh, tax rolls for that town. And, and nearly 10% of the town wiped out. Think about that. And, of course, Vegas, Las Vegas, from October 1st. And we can go on and on. But, you know, there's another side to all of this. There's the corruption side that's not getting much airplay. And we talk about, for example, uh, on this show, we talk about uh, Sean Hannity and his coverage of the corruption, the Clinton corruption. And the reason I bring his name up, uh, in fact, he just retweeted a um, an article by Peter Chowka on our, on our Twitter feed, uh, but but he's relevant to this discussion because just like America being the final speed bump on the globalist road to takeover, I, I would say Sean Hannity in the corporate media is a speed bump in the total takeover of the corporate media. But when you pull the lens back, and you look at what's taking place all across of our country, whether it's the chaos or whether it is the corruption. Think about how many hearings, Senate intelligence hearings, uh, various other committees within the Senate and the House that have conducted these inquiries, these these hearings. What have what has ever become of the suspected perpetrators of fraud, of crimes, of criminal activity, of treason, of sedition? Not much, I dare say. Have you stopped ever thought why you know why there's nothing? Why why no perp walks? Why no disposition? This is an area that interests me a, a great deal. And to that extent, Tom Horn has written a book titled Saboteurs and addresses this very issue. And Steve Quayle has been talking about this forever since the first day on radio and and this rather long introduction I think was necessary to just paint the picture set the tenor for tonight for tonight's broadcast Uh, 
because what we're seeing is something that even in the, well, certainly the mainstream uh, captured uh, corporate mass media, they will not touch. But even in the new, the honest, the alternative media, it's misunderstood, understated even. And that is the spiritual component to what we're seeing. The, um, the, the incredible, uh, secret, Masonic, if you will, um, the secret society aspect to what we're seeing. No one will touch that with a 10 foot pole. Many mock it. Many say it doesn't exist. I got my first education about this from Steve Quayle. Uh, I received additional education about this from Dr. Tom Horn, as well as others. But these two luminaries, these two professionals in their, at the top of their game today, and have been at the top of their game for so many months and years, are here to discuss this very issue. The saboteurs within, the enemy within, and Joe and I here are just anxiously awaiting uh, to what, what they've got to say. And I've got to say that uh, Steve's books and Tom's latest work, huh, you know, you talk about a Ph.D. education. You'll get them with both of the resource, with the resources both of them offer. Tonight's broadcast in part brought to you by ZipRecruiter.com. That's ZipRecruiter.com for just a fantastic deal right now where our listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Hagman. More on that later. But without any further ado, Joe, let's bring our guests in. Joe, uh, I'll toss it to you. Let's bring our guests in. Yeah, we have uh, Steve Quayle from SteveQuayle.com and Tom Horn, uh, SkywatchTV.com. And go to SkywatchTVStore.com for the the deal on saboteurs. It's on there, and there's a, a great deal where you can not only get that, but other books such as... I learned so much from that show. Gods and Thrones, The Deeper State, and Shadow Hand. Tom Horn and Steve Quayle. Steve, I'm going to bring you on first. Well, thank you, and I think tonight's going to be a true eye-opener for everyone because I don't believe that anybody has done the research of the roots of what we're seeing right now. We all have to deal with the fruits, whether it's the shooting in uh, Texas, the shootings all over the country, the false flags. Everybody has to deal with that. But it's one thing to deal with the fruit of evil. It's another thing to uh, identify with the root of evil. Now, we're going to get into the book Saboteurs, and I want to give everyone a definition of sabotage, because obviously sabotage is an act. Saboteurs are those who are in the process of sabotaging. The word sabotage means to deliberately destroy, damage, or obstruct something. What we're watching, Doug and Tom, as you guys know, is obstruction of justice. And for the record, I don't believe there is any justice at this point. And it also means to vandalize, to wreck, to damage, destroy, cripple, impair, incapacitate, obstruct, disrupt, spoil, ruin, undermine, threaten, and subvert. That sounds like the Democratic uh, platform, and uh, and this is a real statement because we're going to talk tonight about the spirit behind this, not to mention the cowardly Republicans. So in essence, what we're talking about is the entire process of light versus dark. I'm going to say one more statement and turn it over to uh, uh, my my great friend, Tom Horn. And just, uh, again, this is important. This is the most important time, I think, Doug, as we're coming out of very horrible events, going into even more horrific events. 
And never in the history, I wrote this down, of the world have so many events happen on such an accelerating basis. Battle lines are drawn, financial, geological, astronomical, racial, political, religious, treason in the open, massive cover-ups of false flight government-initiated terror. And let me say this, we're watching, too, as thousands of Trojan horses have been allowed into this country to sabotage this great nation. And therefore, Tom will identify the saboteurs. Hey, Tom, wonderful to be with you tonight. Hey, great to be with you, too, Steve. Of course, you know, on the uh, following the eve of our mighty conference there in the middle of Branson that you put together, holy smokes, man. Uh, we, I, I've not heard anything but very, very positive reports. You had people that came from all over the world. You had 40-some countries of people that were watching via live streaming. It was a real opportunity to talk to the whole world, and uh, kudos to you, my good friend, about what a great job you did putting that together. And it was great to also get to meet Doug. Uh, you know, it's funny, Doug, uh, after all the programs that we've done together, but that was the first time you and I had actually had a chance to meet face-to-face, and it was wonderful. You know what, Tom, and I'm, and I'm not kidding about this, honestly, it was like being in the presence of royalty there, um, you among them, and, and it was such a, a great, uh, folks, Tom Horn, you t- I'm going to say this, what a fantastic, uh, man, Tom and his wife, and, and they're just incredible people, as, as, as are Steve and, and his wife, um, but, but I've learned so much, and, and that weekend, uh, was just a fabulous time. I've, Hey, I'm not going to take any more time, but but thank you for all you both of you do. Uh, you cannot, folks, you cannot believe the work that goes into um, the end result and product of both Steve Quill and Tom Horn. Go ahead, well, sir. Well, that also goes to you, Doug, and and uh, maybe later in the show we should um, um, talk. Uh, Steve and I would like to try to do something to try to help you raise the money for your budget. So I know we don't want to bring it up right now, but maybe in the middle of the program or sometime, uh, because people don't realize uh, often what a role that you and the Hagman Report and Joe are playing in um, bringing the the truth to power uh, around this subject matter that the, uh, you know, the media elite won't touch with a, a 10-foot pole. Uh, you mentioned Hannity. He's one of the few guys out there that that is trying to to turn over some of these stones, you know, to reveal what's actually going on with the continued push towards a globalist mindset. And we'll get into all of that uh, this evening, but I want people to know that the Hagman Report is one of the very few out there that certainly deserves people's support to whatever extent they can to try to keep you on the air. And uh, so let's talk about that a little bit later. I didn't mean to jump off subject, but... um, since you're bringing up how important what Steve and I do, uh, even more so what the Hagman Report does. Well, thank you, sir. And I, yeah, and, and, and ladies and gentlemen, I'd like you to know that I believe, and Tom, you were there uh, when Doug was brought up on the stage. I asked people who were there because of hearing about it, the, the Branson Conference, but also all the different speakers that we had put on the week before Branson. I would say 90% of the people stood. Right. And so, again, uh, tonight, Tom and I, in the second hour or so, are going to stand with Doug. And I want to make this uh, point really quick, Tom, so I don't forget, because God knows I'm all over the place, and I'm trying harder, the standpoint. But I want 
10 pastors who have taken the threat against churches to email me if you have the cojones to take a concealed weapons permit class. I will pay you up to 100 bucks each to take that class from someone who is a trainer. You are shepherds, men of God, and you are shepherds to protect your flock. And no bloody wolf with an attitude from Antifa, whatever it is, whoever claims they've got a, a, a gripe or uh, I can't use that word, or a complaint against uh, the people of God, you have an obligation so you need to send me steve777 at stevequail.com and just send me a picture of your church, tell me how many people you have in your congregation, and if you're willing to take your sheep's life as a as a command from the Lord to protect your sheep, okay? Then you send me it, and I'll get you a hundred bucks overnight, or you know, within a couple of days. So, thank you, Tom. I'll give it back to you. But I just want to say that I take this serious. For those of you who went to Branson, my number one concern, number one, is that you would be safe. And there was so many security there. I think Tom that everyone felt really safe because. To the degree that God enabled us, we had, by the grace of God, all bases covered. Go ahead, sir. Oh, yeah, we absolutely did. I mean, you went over and above, uh, as you know, because you've been to our studio and even to my home. Security is a big thing. Everybody around us has concealed carry, but we also have former law enforcement that work for us full-time. We take it very seriously. Uh, it's unfortunate that we live at a time in American history when we have to think so much that way, but we do, and it is a responsibility for every shepherd of every flock, um, and uh, and that was one of the things that I very much appreciated about the Branson Conference, was we had security on the outside of the building. You couldn't even get in the building uh, if you were carrying any kind of a handbag uh, larger than a small purse. You still had to go through uh, all the metal detections and other detection systems, and then the inside you had a veritable army of people, including some of the top uh, uh, security personnel that cover some of the biggest events uh, and television icons in the nation. And uh, I was very happy to see that, and I know that everybody inside that building was uh, happy to see that as well. In fact, I noticed when you were speaking, and I'm sure the guy didn't mean anything by it, but a guy got up and walked towards you with his iPhone going to take a picture, and there was security on him in a lightning bolt uh, and backed him up and made him go sit back down. Uh, and so, and I know, I know people there love that. Well, look, the whole thing that uh, the book Saboteurs, I did not intend to write this. It partly grew out of the phenomenon that is the Trump presidency. Uh, and then at, at around the same time, some of the revelations that were made in the WikiLeaks Emails. We can touch some of those this evening. Uh, put me on the course for an investigation um, that basically draws back the curtain on the saboteurs, which you so well defined a moment ago, uh, starting with January 20, 2017, the, the very you know the president's acceptance speech. And if you go back now, people can Google this and go and read it. And if you didn't watch it live, go and read this amazing uh, presidential acceptance speech where Donald Trump is standing up there. Uh, he's got George Bush and Bill Clinton, Barack Obama, the former president, sitting right behind him, who would soon be squirming in their seats. Uh, as you had, you know, newly elected U.S. President Donald Trump. And no matter whether you like him or not, by the way, 
Um, he spoke straightforwardly in that speech to establishment, bureaucratic, deep state, shadow government elite in a way that we had never heard before. And he made it very clear that his um, Make America Great Again agenda had not ended on the campaign trail and that he had gathered there on the west front of the Capitol to announce more than the orderly and peaceful transition of power from the Obama administration to his. He made it very clear that his objective was to take the power of Washington, D.C., away from the establishment types and to give it back to the people. And as I was sitting there that evening, my, my jaw open, Nita and I watching his acceptance speech, I realized a couple of things. One, to the illumined elite, um, this inaugural address was, uh, number one, a clear salvo that drew a line in the sand, right? And we've seen how they've reacted ever since then. Um, but the second thing that was on my mind that evening was how historians, to, to historians and scholars, uh, you know, the Donald was soon going to learn a lesson, and he's been learning it since. And that is pulling the drain from the plug in the swamp in Washington is a whole lot easier said than done, right? And that's because of something that an awful lot of Americans simply don't understand. Uh, people elect a president based on his campaign promises and his campaign speeches uh, with the idea that they're going to send him to Washington. Mr. Smith goes to Washington, right? They're going to send him to Washington, and he's going to go in there and begin immediately establishing uh, the objectives for which they uh, uh, elected him president. But most Americans don't realize that an election doesn't have very much to do with how modern uh, Washington entrenched uh, cross-party monopoly and establishment actually functions. Um, every four years, we elect a president or we re-elect one, uh, and then he selects his cabinet, federal appointees uh, that are supposed to oversee the executive departments like the Secretary of Agriculture and Commerce and De Defense and Energy and Health and Human Services and Homeland Security and all that. But for, for the people inside the Beltway, they know that the real government of the United States is not the Congress, is not the President, it's not the Court, it's not the Constitution, it's what is called the federal bureaucracy. Uh, what some people call the fourth branch of government, uh, which influences all of the constitutional three branches of government that most voters perceive are there functioning to serve. We the people, the legislative, executive, and judicial uh, branches. The bureaucracy is basically three and a half million people that are immersed in the whole liberal D.C. culture and ideology. They're, glo they're globalists. They have a globalist objective. That's been nurtured over a long period of time. And these people actually view things like the U.S. borders. A moment ago, I forget exactly the term you used, uh, Steve, but basically you're saying that there are plants that are being entrenched all across the United States. And all of our intel right now tells us that they're in every state in the Union. They're like a ticking time bomb waiting to go off. God only knows if they're planning for a day of jihad here in America and what uh, tools, including weapons of mass destruction, they might have to bring that to pass. Uh, and uh, Donald Trump with his whole speech about building a wall and all of his efforts so far to impede 
uh, unmitigated immigration into the United States. This whole thing recently, the, the, the terrorist activity before yesterday's terrorist activity, uh, where uh, the guy, what do they call it? It's a, a lottery, right? Uh, and he, you, you get this lottery, you get to come into the United States with bypassing some of the, you know, the, the uh, typical security protocols for immigrating into the United States. Um, but in any case, the, the federal bureaucracy uh, is made up of multinational corporations that support the globalist agenda. Uh, and uh, these two and a half million employees, actually more than that, 2.6, 2.7, Million employees. These are career government personnel, uh, and uh, they work with the press, uh, the fake news, as Donald Trump calls them. And these are people that perceive America's Judeo-Christian morality and its uh, historical emphasis on the kind of rugged individualism that Doug was talking about at the opening of this uh, program. Uh, free market capitalism, which is dying a quick death now that most recent polls show now a small majority of Americans and, and, and a much greater majority of millennials actually prefer socialism over free market capitalism. Well, this is all that they hope to aspire. And right now, if they can't impeach President Trump, or encourage somebody to take him out, which is some of the terrible stuff some of the comedians have been doing, showing his head chopped off, and, and one of the rappers' new album now shows his grave where he's been assassinated and all that crap. Uh, if they can't encourage some crazy person like the shooter that was in the, the, the church there yesterday to somehow assassinate him, then their plan is to basically uh, oppose any and everything about the Make America Great Again agenda and wait him out and in three years from now uh, get him out of office so that they can, you know, us reassume uh, their globalist march towards a totalitarianistic uh, type of world government. So, and now, add to that, by the way, something else that's unprecedented. And that is how the, and this has never happened before, it's unprecedented, the former president, Obama, who immediately went across town and set up bunkers just two miles from the White House where he is organizing for action associates. And there are 250 offices nationwide have commenced efforts to effectively function as what in the capital, some in the Capitol Beltway are already calling a shadow government third term pseudo presidency. Um, and so Obama, I think, uh, you know, Rush Limbaugh has made this point, Hannity has made this point. He has raced back to his early station as a radical Sololinsky-style agitation organizer. Uh, and you can see the events that between him and Soros, uh, this uh, manufactured chaos that they're trying to bring to the streets. Thank God their, their whole Antifa is that how you say it? I, you know, I'm not an expert on the language. Yeah, I think, I think that's good, yeah. Antifa, but let's just call them what they are, communists. Yeah, that their whole thing this last week uh, was a big fizzle, and hopefully that will continue to be uh, the facts. But but this is it's all organized. Uh, and for those that don't know, uh, Alinsky, um, the uh, 1960s radical, who wrote the, the uh, book Rules for Radicals and by whom Obama, uh, Obama was guided. Um, 
he's the guy that wrote this playbook. If you read his book, I've read it. He says in the beginning, the organizer's first job is to create chaos, to create issues, create perceived problems, uh, and that through creating problems, you'll cause people, the average person, to become frustrated, to feel defeated, to feel lost, to feel futureless, as if the country isn't being guided in the proper way. Uh, and so they turn away from whatever the prevailing system is, and they're willing to let go of the past and chance the future. That's his whole scheme. Well, that's the playbook that those who oppose Trump are using today to create the appearance of issues and problems and a general sense of desperation among millennials in particular who have been deprived, uh, uh, you know, in American history education in the education systems today. Mostly all they get is, uh, you know, revised versions of our past and even now we're trying to wipe out that you know tear down the statues forget what we did in the past tear down everything so that people won't realize what we overcame and how we became uh that nation that was the product of the the so-called great generation uh but to get them to turn away from all of that to look to you for uh solutions and so over the last decade in particular the two obama terms and part of the bush term the uh, second bush term there's been an effort that's been literally manufactured to divide Americans uh, through class warfare and all the rest of it to create this general sense of desperation uh, in order that certain politicians and elites can then extend themselves as the answer for this chaos. That's total Saul Alinsky, uh book of rules. And I don't believe, by the way, you mentioned this guy that shot the people in that church yesterday. I don't think it's a stretch to say that some blame has to be laid at the feet of these Sololinsky agitators for things like this 26-year-old Devin Kelly taking a gun in the First Baptist Church of Sutherland Springs and killing as many as my last count was 26 people, I think, not counting the fact that 27, if you count the baby inside the pregnant woman that was murdered, uh, mentally unstable individuals like that are being encouraged by the media, by these uh, paid agitators that are drawing money from Soros to stand up and to campaign as if they even have a clue what they're marching against, which most of the time they don't. But it encourages these crazy people, unbalanced people, and terrorists to take out their misery on those that they disagree with philosophically, politically, in terms of religion, including and especially hatred that is targeted towards uh, Christians. And that is partly because, by the way, uh, Alinsky dedicated his book to Lucifer. And that's the reason why when I say the shadow government being operated by Obama out of Washington, D.C. today is at its core Luciferian, radical, and inspired by those that would follow the examples of Lucifer. It's that influence. Uh, and And... Uh, by the way, anybody that reads my new book, Saboteurs, you know, you, when you get past the first chapter that deals with a lot of this stuff like, you know, the federal bureaucracy and why the wheels don't turn very fast in Washington, D.C., but you'll notice in that book that very quickly I get past all of that, past the flesh and blood, as the New Testament might describe it, to the supernatural darkness that's at work behind the scenes in Washington, uh, D.C. today because I believe that that's where the real nefarious activity 
is uh, operating in order to create a new world order under a totalitarian leader that the Bible calls the Antichrist. Uh, and, uh, and that, of course, is where even some of the recent discoveries in WikiLeaks uncovered efforts by occultists in Washington, D.C., who certainly thought that that election was going to turn out differently. And I think maybe God put his foot on the brakes to give us a chance at a different uh, outcome. Uh, maybe a Second Chronicle 7:14 opportunity. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. Maybe right now we have a short window of opportunity to do that, don't you think? Well, I, I think, you know, I, I want to address that too, Tom, because the stand, from the standpoint of, from you and I first starting on radio together, however many, it's almost decades now, you know, uh, we were talking about the gates of hell being opened. More and more people, ladies and gentlemen, those of you who have listened to Tom Horn, myself, those different guests that Doug and Joe have had on this show, we've been warning and warning, and the gates aren't of hell are not a metaphor as the backsliding, uh, you know, denialists that are in the puke pits. A puke pit is what used to be a pulpit, and now it all is so lukewarm, it's just a vomit factory. That's me. But I want to share something, Tom. You brought it up. Now, here's the 13th rule. Sounds like I should, you know, good book title. In Saul Alinsky, who was a Luciferian, pick the target, freeze it, personalize it, and polarize it. Cut off the support network and isolate the target from sympathy. Go after people and not institutions. People hurt faster than institutions. Now, this is amazing, ladies and gentlemen, because this is what we're watching. Now, back to the supernatural. I have maintained, Doug, you've heard me say it, those of you who have heard me maybe say it too many times, but I don't believe people still get it. You can quote Ephesians 6, where we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness, and heavenly places, until you're blue in the face. But until you're confronted with it, you know, it's just basically something that hasn't been actualized or realized in the believer's life. What I believe about the book Saboteurs, which is so critical, is Tom lays out for you the root of evil. Remember this, when Jesus, uh, you know, uh, passed by the fig tree that, uh, you know, there was no fruit on, he didn't just say, ah, oh, fruit, there's no figs, but he cursed it from the roots, and the next time the disciples came by the same fig tree, it had dried up from the roots. Until the people of God, understand the spiritual nature of warfare, until they begin to take their, and I would say this, operational and functional authority, which Jesus gave to his disciples, then uh, further signed off on the power of God at, at Pentecost, I think that people are absolutely going to be like sheep led to the slaughter, and are being sheep led to the slaughter. Unfortunately, puke pits and uh, churches were never meant to be, what are they called, arbitoriums where they slaughter uh, cattle or slaughter sheep. The point being, Tom, is that it is critical. There is no pulling back. You know, sometimes I know you feel this way, and I, I know I felt this way, and Doug, you and Joe certainly feel this way, is that 
it's this whole listening to us or listening to whoever your guests are or you, this isn't for entertainment. It's to provoke to action. And it's provoke, you know, it, it, by provocation I mean this, to prod you to understand, number one, first and foremost, who you are in Jesus, but second of all, the nature of the battle. What we're seeing now in government, and, and by the way, it was interesting, uh, on the shooter, you guys, I don't know if you saw this story, but the Air Force failed to notify the FBI that this guy had been dishonorably discharged. Now, with the Jeopardy music playing in the background, okay, that's normal operating procedure. All I'd want to know is who was in charge of that and who didn't do it. My point is this. When the entire military, uh, with exception, forgive me, when the majority of the military, with exception, has been placed in by a known, open, Luciferian president, when the entire intelligence uh, apparatus, when the entire State Department, when in the entire, if you will, legislative, judicial, and executive, those who help, are all basically of the same ilk, the point is, is that how can people expect a political solution to a spiritual problem? Enter saboteurs. Go ahead, Tom. Yeah, well, and listen, <clears throat> this isn't just uh, us Christians that would uh, understand what you're talking about. Um, occultists uh, understand this, uh, probably actually more. You said people can quote, you know, uh, Ephesians 6.12 uh, until they're blue in the face. Um, and a lot of Christians do, but who never really either understand what, what they're quoting or believe in it. And more and more of our uh, inner church polls are showing that most people who go to church in America today in Americanized Christianity, and that, uh, well, most of them don't read the Bible, but for those that go to church and hear the word spoken or, or can quote a particular proof text or something like that, they don't really believe in it anyway. Most of them no longer even believe in the divinity of Christ. Uh, they, they, uh, the majority no longer believe in the inspiration of the Scripture, so they're, they're impotent. They're without power. They're without authority. Uh, so, you know, the sons of Sceva can come up and say, I adjure you by this Jesus whom Paul preaches, and get the thunder beat out of them, right? <laughs> Paul I know, Jesus I know, but who are you, right? Just because you can quote certain things or say certain names doesn't mean anything. So I find it ironic that it's actually people in the occult that are, that are stronger believers in supernaturalism than what most people in Americanized Christianity today at least if you can believe the polls, uh, are, you know, uh, not as strong a believer. Uh, and so I thought it was kind of interesting um, that uh, uh, I was, uh, re in fact, I was writing about this, I wrote about it in the book Saboteurs, but I was also reading about it again a couple of days ago about the French Revolution. And uh, one of the things that stood out to me was how the occultists during the, the French Revolution believed that very powerful, non-human energies, evil energies, uh, were emanating from their thought memes, their words, their contagious ideas. So as I'm, as I'm explaining this, think about what is going on with the uh, organizing for action agitators uh, and the Soros agitators and what they're doing out there on America's university and college campuses today where they're you know, setting fires and 
and uh, blaspheming God and uh, 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 trying to create whatever kind of chaos they can because they're snowflakes and they're completely, you know, uh, unhappy with the way the election turned out. Some people also call this, by the way, the Peter Pan syndrome. I saw an article on that the other day where kids don't want to grow up. They just want to sit at home and play Nintendo and live off the benefits of the great generation. That's why so many of them want socialism, because even though it may not be very much money, in fact, it's going to be a kind of slavery, at least they don't have to get up and do anything, right? Or at least that's the way they think it's going to be. Uh, if they understand that the Antichrist is actually going to create a socialist system that is going to imprison everybody on on planet Earth, uh, that's actually what they're working towards. But in any case, these thought memes, the contagious ideas, the conversations that are taking place in the streets right now among these agitators, um, and then, of course, the symbols that they use, uh, some of them using incantations, where they're saying the same verses, if you will, over and over and over again. Um, during the French Revolution, the occultists understood that this was a way they could initiate a kind of supernatural evil through collective uh, mind think, through uh, group mind. Uh, and what they what what they believed was that as people passed forward the thought forms that they were creating, the memes from one person to another, and then those ideas would go viral, uh, the power and the reach of the entity that they were energizing would spread like an unseen presence. It would grow like an unseen presence. Uh, you remember that old movie many years ago? I think it was called, uh, was it called Mysterious World or something like that where Robbie the Robot was first presented? But the, but the scientists found this abandoned laboratory where the aliens that had died bazillions of years earlier had wiped themselves out because they had created a machine that would cause, that would call the, that would cause the id. Remember that? Uh, yeah, it was called Forbidden Planet with Walter Forbidden Pinch. Planet, there you go. Yeah, well, th- that present grows and it is fed by these thought forms until it becomes an unimaginably, uh, uh, destructive Force. Well, so writing about the Masonic involvement in the French Revolution, Gary Lackman, who, and this is where I was reading about this in his book, Politics and the Occult, he made this extraordinary, important observation that stood out to me about how these immaterial destructive forces that had unseen plans of their own had been released as a result of occult politics uh, in the French Revolution, because remember, a large part of the French Revolution uh, was out to do away with God, do away with religion. They put the big nude statue of the naked woman, you know, uh, on the top of the altar in the Church of Notre Dame, 20,000 people being killed in the guillotines. They were out to literally destroy the idea of God. Well, uh, let me just give you this quick quote from the book. Uh, he says this, quote, Cazot himself was aware of the dangerous energies unleashed by the revolution, although he didn't use the term, he would no doubt have agreed that whatever started it, the revolution soon took on a life of its own, coming under the power of an egregory, which is Greek for watcher, a kind of immaterial entity that is created by and presides over a human activity or collective. According to the anonymous author of the fascinating Meditations on the Terra, there are no good egregories, only negative ones. True or not, 
egregories can nevertheless be engendered by the collective will and imagination of nations. As Jocelyn Godwin points out, an egregory is augmented by human belief, ritual, and especially by sacrifice. Now, I want to say something about that in a moment. Uh, continue, quote, if it is sufficiently nourished by such energies, the egregore can take on a life of its own and appear to be an independent personal divinity with limited power on behalf of its devotees and an unlimited appetite for their future devotion. If, as some esotericists believe, human conflicts are the result of spiritual forces for spiritual ends, and these forces are not all good, then collective catastrophes like the French Revolution take on a different significance, end quote. Isn't that fascinating? But he, but he really nails it, and he's writing this from a completely secularist point of view. Well, I think you've got to, uh, the word you use is fascinating, because of Grigori, G-R-I-G-R-I, uh, G-R-I-G-R-I, uh, G-I, I can't say it, G-R-I-G-O-R-I, also known as the Watchers, the mysterious Eighth Order of Angels. And what's interesting is those are obviously the ones that were even, uh, you know, bound, and they're, they're singing, uh, you can see this in the Book of Enoch, but the word, and boy, does this make Catholics mad, and I'm not saying it to make Catholics mad, but Gregorian chants, people say that, well, that was Pope Gregory. i got to tell you something, it, it, it absolutely, precedes Pope Gregory by millennia. So when we're talking about that, Tom, it's interesting because the very word, the Gregory and the uh, the word you used, you know, in that quote is we're talking right again about supernatural entities and we're talking about supernatural evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and his, he's using a derivation of the spelling. He's talking about exactly the same thing. He calls it an egregory, but there's two or three ways to spell the same thing. Uh, I just thought it was interesting that he also makes the case that we're actually talking about uh, the same thing as a fallen watcher. We're talking about a very powerful fallen angelic presence, uh, but that in any case, the occultists themselves were fully aware uh, that they were energizing this invisible entity, and that as they spread their thought forms, their mind forms, their contagious memes from person to person, and the attitudes and the sentiments grew on the streets, they were actually giving life to a growing evil supernaturalism whose intent, of course, was the destruction not only of France, but of the people that died in the guillotines and the rest of it. Now, another thing, and I won't quote anymore, but another thing that he went on to talk about, and I talk about this even more so in the book Saboteurs, is how these occultists, and obviously the, the Gregories or Egregories, understand, is that, uh, and, and, by, and this was reflected in the WikiLeaks emails too, the discoveries, and that is that the blood and the pain of innocent persons, so uh, you most likely are usually here talking about children because you know, from the liber of Aliasta Crowley, it's, it's the pain of a child or the blood of a child that has a greater level of supernatural influence in the invisible world. Uh, but this could also be, um, you know, an adult, both male or female, who are inflicted with pain, and it's pain that feeds the monster. And so 
notice how uh, at the same time you have all this stuff going on on the street, is it a coincidence that all of a sudden um, we're, we're discovering stuff that Steve Quayle's been talking about for a long time, and that's what's going on in Hollywood. Uh, I saw yesterday Michelle Pfeiffer, you might have saw uh, her uh, being quoted, where she said that it, it isn't just a few women uh, in the, you know, in the uh, Weinstein situation. She said every single woman she knows in Hollywood, therefore that would have to include her, I guess, she said has been sexually abused or harassed. Now, if you combine that with the, all that is uh, coming out now about pedophilism, uh, what we're witnessing is a dam bursting on one of the biggest cover-ups in American history. Um, but don't forget that it was on this very program, the Hagman uh, Report, that towards the end of last year and very early in 2017, we were discussing numerous uh, situations having to do with the Podesta brothers um, and how uh, different bloggers and conspiracy sites, so-called conspiracy sites, typically that means the people that are actually telling the truth, right? Um, but in 2016 and early 2017, they were speaking out on the so-called Pizzagate revelation that inferred that underage children were in fact being trafficked for use by very powerful political and Hollywood underworld figures. And of course, a lot of the, the, the sites at that time were connecting that to Bill and Hillary Clinton. It didn't help um, that uh, the WikiLeaks emails included one in which John Podesta uh, talks openly in his private email, but he's talking openly to the person he's sending the email to about his close relationship with former Speaker of the House Dennis Hastert, who, of course, was sent to prison for 15 months after <clears throat> sexually abusing boys. And, in fact, the judge called him a serial child molester. Uh, and, and now Hastert, you know, he was released not long ago after serving a little over a year of that sentence. Uh, he was directly linked in these WikiLeaks emails to dozens of these different references to pizza. There was right at 150 different emails. Uh, and so if this wasn't some kind of coded language, then, brother, these people really, 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 really liked pizza, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, but they love blood. You know, they love the blood and sacrifice. And it goes back to Tom, just like we said. I, the best uh, definition I ever got, I believe it was given to me, and take this to the Lord in prayer, ladies and gentlemen, but years ago I asked the Lord, well, what's the definition of lust? And he said, the appetite of demons expressed through humans. And so when we talk about bloodlust, we're talking about a literal, the Bible says the life is in the blood. And so literally the blood of the innocent, and just remember this, that obviously Abel's blood, uh, you know, uh, cried out from the ground, you know, and uh, when Cain slew him, and there's even the harmonics of blood, literally everybody's bloodstream has a different, if you will, uh, uh, what I call song of creation, just like their DNA. But the idea is this, Tom, this is one of my, and I'm sorry, I'm going to take a, uh, you know, one of my infamous right-hand turns, 
But the point is, is the fact that the church was silent, that which professes itself in the biggest and the, and the baddest, you know, maybe you know more, you probably uh, certainly do know more about mainstream, what they're saying, uh, uh, what I call claimants to churchianity, that, that the uproar was not there. There was a minor, let's say, noise made. But it's the same thing. When that which claimed to be followers of the Lord Jesus Christ wouldn't stand up for the aborted, they don't understand the very power that is now coming against them was due to the sacrifice. And even Christians didn't read uh, the sacrament of abortion where, where the people doing the abortion and Satan said, basically, I'll paraphrase, you Christians are so dumb you don't understand what we're doing. The bottom line, we're deriving the power from the shed blood of the innocents to destroy you at the correct time. And, and I maintain to people that, you know, that basically go to what I call wishy-washy worship places, they're in for big trouble because they, there's coming a point, I think very soon, where people, if they're presented with the truth, as you're doing in saboteurs, if you're, they're presented with all of the different events taking place in the world, and they don't see the unha- unseen hand of Lucifer, then there's nothing that we can basically do except just pray, God, somehow open up literally the, the portals to hell and give everybody a good glimpse, because that portal to hell is going to be what brings hell on earth. Go ahead. Or is bringing yeah, hell well, on Well, you earth. know, uh, one of the things that I, I loved at the conference in Branson was the number of times you and I both had people who came up to us and they said, we, we want you to sign this book for our teenage daughter or for our teenage son who couldn't be here. Uh, I had a college guy come up and he said, you guys literally turned my life around. I had walked away from God. Um, and that, that was the biggest blessing to me to know that we were reaching out to these young people who, uh, I was actually kind of surprised by it, right? They dig Steve Coyle. They dig Tom. <laughs> uh, I was shocked, amazed, pleasantly happy to know that there is innocent blood out there that uh, is listening to you and I. Now, I said that to say this because I've been telling people that the book, Saboteurs, is not for children. Uh, this is not one that you want to get and give to your teenage daughter or son. And it's because um, I go further in this book than I have in others in which I get down to the nitty-gritty and I talk about some of the details. We was talking a moment ago about Pizzagate and you know how these different foods were a coded system for pedophiles. Hot dogs with pizza equal a little boy. Pasta with pizza meant a little girl. Cheese was for a little girl, and so on. Um, and that was partly why a conspiracy grew up around that uh, those emails because it became public knowledge that Tony Podesta, um, who's who uh, I read the other day where he was arrested and then released, so we're going to see where that's coming up, uh, you know, in some of the, the whole thing going on. In fact, Doug would probably, you would know more about this, Doug and, and Steve, uh, about his possible connections, collusion with Russia, some of the nuclear deals and stuff that were being made. But in any case, but, it's, but his um, uh, occult pedophilia art collection, um, yeah, that partly was raised. Uh, uh, 
Uh, Tom, let me just interject something. Um, he's at the periphery of two separate uh, intelligence, uh, Senate and House intelligence investigations, and then also at the periphery of the um, special counsel investigation as it relates to the uh, alleged Russian collusion. However, the um, uh, I, I think the information about his detention might be a little bit uh, more than speculative and, and wishful thinking. However, getting back to on track what you're saying about the art collection, uh, we've done an extensive investigation, and, and the information that you have you have assembled is perhaps the the best out there. So I'll just leave it at that. Well, it's very disturbing, um, and, uh, uh, and 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 it I think it ties together with the idea of some of the co-conspirators who may in fact have been involved, um, not just with pedophilia in the sense of um, you know what uh, who's the the actor, the really well-known actor that in the last few days admitted that he might have gotten drunk and took advantage of a young Hollywood boy. Um, oh, what's his name? House of Cards, that guy. Uh, Kevin Spacey. Yeah, Kevin, Kevin Spacey. Spaced Out. Um, I'm uh, call him Kevin Spaced Out. Yeah, Kevin Spaced Out. Um, that kind of activity, but something much darker in the sense that some of these children may have been absconced and never returned. They've disappeared. They're on posters at the at the uh, post office today uh, where people are looking for them and they're never going to be found again because there was some very dark stuff that could have been connected to some of these people that was going on in the circles of the Washington uh, elite. And so what most people in the public, you know, they've read about the restaurant owner of Comet Ping Pong, uh, James uh, Elephantus, and I don't know how you can own a restaurant in Washington and be considered one of the uh, top 50 most powerful people in Washington D.C. So there's that. That's interesting. Um, and that, but that restaurant, Comet Ping Pong, is also mentioned a dozen or so times in these leaked emails. Uh, and by the way, that's for people who are listening to this program, and and that sounds familiar. That's where the guy named Edgar Welch. Uh, he went there with a gun and was arrested for taking his AR-15 rifle and a handgun back in December. Uh, and after he was arrested, he told the police he was there investigating a story about Pizzagate and Hillary Clinton running a child sex ring uh, literally out of the eatery. Uh, and then don't forget, now, there's some very, very strange stuff here. Uh, Several weeks after Welch was arrested, remember this, CBS 46 evening anchor Ben Swan? He was a really popular uh, newscaster and an investigative journalist. He had his uh, Truth in Media website. Uh, he had his reality check program. And I watched the program live when it happened. He had launched this investigation of the Pizzagate story. And he framed the location of, of uh, the um, Comet Ping Pong as possibly connected with a child pornography ring that was being run out of Washington, D.C., and he questioned. And, I, and he actually raised some very good questions about why authorities had been unwilling to conduct uh, a full investigation into uh, allegations involving that pizza parlor and the one next to it 
he pointed out how the some of the music bands that were playing there were singing songs that joked about pedophilia. He showed all the uh, artwork that match that matches uh, known boy lover symbols that the FBI had actually published as part of their list. Uh, they, by the way, the uh, Podesta emails also mentioned pizza and handkerchiefs, and that's noted code language according to the FBI for pedophiles. So there was some of that stuff that was also well known. Uh, and then he also pointed out how that, you know, well, two doors over from Comet Ping Pong was the other pizza parlor named Besta Pizza, and their logo matched what the 2007 FBI report depicted as a unique symbol commonly used by pedophiles in order to identify one another to express their particular preferences in children, which is a winding triangle that stands for boy love. But remember, uh, immediately after he gave that report, uh, a couple of things happened. First of all, Best of Pizza modified its logo. But then things got really strange. Just a few days later, uh, Swan's Truth in Media site suddenly disappeared. His Twitter account disappeared. His Instagram account disappeared. His Facebook account disappeared. Uh, and so you have to ask, but did somebody tell him to back off? Was he threatened? Was it just his bosses telling him to quit the conspiracy-themed reporting? Um, the reason that I raised the question is because our mutual friend, Alex Jones, uh, likewise, was somehow pressured into publicly apologizing for promoting uh, commentary involving Pizzagate. Um, now, I'm only assuming that with Alex, who is a pretty brave guy, right, that he was just threatened by some kind of defamation suit, and probably the people inside the company said, look, this is just not a war we want to fight. And so he went, you know, on the air and, and said neither Mr. Elephantus nor his restaurant Common Ping Pong were involved in any human uh, trafficking that he was aware of. Uh, but And then Hillary Clinton comes out and she tweets about Pizzagate when Michael Flynn was forced to resign and rubbed that in his face and reminded him of how his, him and his son had once accused her of running a child sex ring out of Comet Ping Pong. And is it a coincidence that now they too are being targeted in the Mueller investigation? And I've read uh, over the last few days that they too uh, are likely to be charged. So there, there seems to be, on the one hand, evidence that certainly ought to be investigated by America's highest uh, criminal uh, investigative institutions. And yet, on the other hand, there seems to be fear. Somebody's, somebody is causing people to back off and not say anything for, for what? Fear that they, too, could wind up like that. That you know who's this uh, this this black woman right now that is out there saying that the uh, Democratic Party was uh, taken over by Hillary Clinton and uh, Donna and, Donna Brazil. Yeah, and Donna, Donna Brazil, Brazil Donna Brazil this week talking about how uh, you know following who who's this kid I'm trying to remember that died. He had some of the WikiLeaks information. Seth Rich. Murder. His name What's is Seth name? Rich. Yeah. And she referenced him, and she said following that, she was afraid because she wanted to, uh, you know, she wanted to speak out on behalf of Bernie Sanders, and she wanted to speak out on uh, against the uh, Clinton family crime syndicate, and said that after he was mowed down, or after he was murdered, 
she became afraid for her life, closed the blinders in her house, she said, because she was afraid that snipers uh, might try to take her out. So uh, so this is not this is beyond, in other words, conspiracy, right? Uh, think. This is beyond little websites and guys trying to make something out of nothing when you have people that work inside Congress that are afraid for their life. Uh, so anyway, I do think, and I and like you say, Doug. I know we're getting ready to go to a break here, but like you say, in the book Saboteurs, I thoroughly investigated a lot of this information. You, you did well, that- Tom. Yeah, Tom, you did well, and we uh, we are uh, skipping the top of the hour network break. We'll take the next network break at the top of next hour, just so uh, you can continue this wonderful dissertation. Well. Um, I know you got to let me give let me give Tom let me yeah let me give you a break a minute and again you know I think it's it's critical that uh, that we understand the if you will uh, the point at which this country is at number one there is no truth and I think you know I want to give a scripture not to quote be a Bible beater but to you know just said the the whole world lies in the evil one and what is really obvious is the kingdom of darkness you know they'll call it the shadow government uh they'll call it the 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 dark government they'll call it everything but let's just call it what it is the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of darkness takes the promise of the uh quintessential liar in creation satan more seriously than the recipients of grace and i think i'm getting it now doug i've said this tom and maybe you've heard me say it but i said it on doug's show a lot it bothers me that and literally I don't know that Jesus when he said we are as sheep led to the slaughter I don't think that's what we're supposed to end up just welcoming the slaughter and of course we welcome it at someone else's expense what I'm saying is this we had better get our ducks lined up in a row and ladies and gentlemen I believe and I just wanted to say this those of you who could not attend Branson those of you who could not live stream or order the DVDs when you order the DVDs you can go on my website there's a banner there you can click on and order them. By the way, they're in stock. You'll find out that there was an unusual anointing there. An anointing means that there was a definite uh, sense of God being there. People's lives were touched. I think Henry Gruber spent almost, what, 12 hours praying for people in the front of the uh, uh, mansion. The people at the mansion said they had never observed the spirit, and they, in a complimentary way, that was there compared to other quote-unquote uh, Christian events that take place. So why am I saying this? I'm saying this because the same anointing that was present, the same thing Tom Horn is talking about. I, I, I dealt with a, uh, a beautiful young lady from Australia, and she came all the way, and she wrote me out. Obviously, I'm not going to read it, So, but a calligraphic, I mean, the, her calligraphy was beyond, I mean, it was like the Lindisfarne Gospels, if you know what those are, the Book of Tells, and, and absolutely, people came and they said, and Tom, you know this, they said it to you too, the Lord told us to go to this thing. So when someone comes from 12,000 miles, we had people from South Africa, and by the way, just let me say this, one of the people that came to South Africa, from South Africa to Branson, is going to become the Afri- excuse me, going to become the African distributor for Gen Six in South Africa because shipping books 
to South Africa is incredibly expensive, but he, he'll be publishing the books, he'll be publishing, uh, or actually duplicating our DVDs, so all of you in South Africa, you know, I apologize for the horrific uh, shipping rates, and for instance, you know, there's I think 13 and a half rand to a dollar, so when you're talking about uh, 520 rand per book, that's a lot of money, so Tom, I also spoke to him at 3 o'clock this morning, and I said, listen, the stuff that Tom Horn has written has to get into South Africa. So here's what I want everyone to understand. We are absolutely at the time in history where God is reaching out to the lost sheep. He's sending us into the highways and byways. And the neatest thing I know, I told my friend Sean today, I said, Sean, how old are you? And I didn't know. I knew he was young. He's 36. You know, Tom, it's so neat. And, and by the way, ladies and gentlemen, I've tried to make a deal with Tom. And this is this is and uh, and to the praise of God's glory, I said, Tom, I want to hire your daughter. I want to hire your son. And if that won't happen, then why don't you adopt me into your family? And I was serious. <laughs> you, want to steal, you want to steal all my best stuff? No, actually, I'm I'm, I'm you know I, I would settle for being adopted. I've said this <laughs> that that you know that literally I have never met more hospitable, God-loving, and, and for people that don't know this, uh, Joe Horn is probably one of the most talented and gifted men. Now, this isn't a mutual uh, praise session. I'm just telling you, ladies and gentlemen, that God is answering my prayer to absolutely turn loose young men and young women, and these young men and women are fearless. The last guy you'd want to start anything with is Joe Horn. I'm seriously. And I want you to know this, that that the anointing that was on Branson, I think, Tom, uh, you know, you queried everybody that was at Branson. You had at least a dozen people there from Skywatch TV, including the speakers that were there, that you published their books. But everybody, this isn't except for uh, basically crows, uh, and I got their emails, but everybody remarked upon how, and four out of, you know, 2,900 is a pretty good percentage, sure. uh, remarked about the sweet spirit that was there. And people, I mean, they told Pastor Langford they were living in sin. They gave their hearts to Jesus. Many people said thank you. And, and what Tom Horn said, ladies and gentlemen, so I'd encourage you to get those DVDs because, again, you're going to be blessed. I got emails today. Maybe I'll read one. I can't read the hundred I've gotten since Branson, but people were just absolutely, they came expecting to hear what God wanted them to hear. They left rejoicing that they heard. And so many of them said this, Tom, to me in emails, the questions that have been on my heart for decades, you guys answered in a couple days. So I think that's to the praise of God's glory. And, you know, I think we better share with people, too, because one of the things you deal with in saboteurs to get back on is basically the whole idea that all of these if you will shadow masters the kingdom of darkness people they all are in cahoots uh, discussing the eminent so called disclosure of aliens and related technology now how is that in your uh, you know you wrote about it obviously but share with everyone who the great champion is and you know share too who the Collins elite are if you would first question, you know, the great champion, second, Collins yeah. Elite. I would, but if I could, uh, Steve, um, let me reflect what you were just saying about the conference and the spirit and the attitude that was there. 
Um, as you knew, and a lot of other people may not have known, um, I've been trying to stop uh, speaking at conferences. And, uh, and, and, and in the very beginning, when you first talked to me, I was like, look, you guys go, man, we'll support you. We love you to death. You're the speaker. I'm not the speaker. I don't want to go. Um, but I did go, and it was one of the best things that I have done in a very long time in terms of completely refreshing my spirit to be around that, that crowd of almost 3,000 people that were, uh, it was just, it was the most wonderful thing. And I, and, and Steve, by the way, uh, as you know, I, I have flip-flopped from saying I don't want to speak at another conference to after that conference saying to you, Steve, we really ought to think about another, a 2018 conference that could be even bigger and better. But, uh, I guess we'll talk more about that at some point in the future. And if that happens, we'll let people know about it. Uh, let me, uh, I'm going to answer your questions about, um, the, the gray champion and, the WikiLeaks, WikiLeaks emails that talked about contiguous aliens and official disclosure. Uh, but I want to ask one other thing that maybe you guys can tell me, because I was just reading this today, uh, and I have not had a chance to vet it. Maybe you guys have information around it. But it, it, it's, on, it's still on this whole issue about pedophilism that might have been reflected in the whole Pizzagate thing and all that. There is a... And I know, by the way, I know investigative journalist Liz Crockett, and I know that she uh, is an award-winning journalist, and I know that she's done a lot of stuff uh, in the past where she's tried to help sex victims of crimes and, and things like that, so this wouldn't surprise me, but I only read it just before I came on the air tonight, and I want to find out if you guys know anything about it. Uh, the article that I read, I won't even give the website, but the article that I read uh, was quoting Liz Crocken uh, as confirming the existence of a Hillary Clinton uh, sex tape that was uncovered in the WikiLeaks, uh, and w not directly from the WikiLeaks, but what the WikiLeaks linked to in some of the other people that had ex uh, access to these files. And uh, in the article, it quotes... Uh, her as referring to this as a pedophile sex tape that features Hillary Clinton. Uh, and and the reason I'm asking about it is because the article says this is getting ready to be released to the public and it's going to finally prove that the WikiLeaks scandals uh, are real by exposing elite satanic pedophile rings involving high-level political figures. I'm quoting from the article now. High-level political figures, corporation heads, and entertainment industry Moguls, the existence of a file found on the disgraced former congressman and converted pedophile, or excuse me, convicted pedophile, Anthony Weiner's laptop, and the name of the file that they found was simply called Insurance File. And on the Insurance File, according to this article, is the Rosetta Stone of information connecting major elites to horrific crimes. Uh, with some of the content on the files being so horrifying that some of the hardened police officers that saw it were brought to tears, the article says. Dawkins says she's not only confirmed the existence of the insurance file, but that it is about to be made public. She said that rogue officers in the New York PD have the file and have also leaked a copy to whistleblowing organization WikiLeaks. Aside from getting confirmation that the material is soon to be exposed, 
she says she also has evidence that one of the files is a pedophile sex tape uh, featuring Hillary Clinton and Huma Abedin and an underage girl, and that that, along with other files due to be released, will finally prove the Pizzagate and pe- Pedogate uh, conspiracies are real, says Crocken. Do you guys know of anything yes. about this? Uh, uh, Tom and Steve, okay, just to kind of frame this up very quickly and concisely, uh, I had um, a source within NYPD right after the um, right after the warrant was executed on the devices at the residence of Anthony Weiner and Huma Abedin when they were cohabitating together. This is before their marital woes. NYPD, the task force, along with the FBI, went in and seized not just one laptop that they're referencing, but the router, the desktop, and a number of other mobile devices. This came to me, it was, I believe it was in January, and I broke this information. The information that you're referring to originated from my source within the task force that uh, was comprised of multi, a multiple number of agencies during the execution of this warrant. During the time that they were on premise, and, and this is critical for under, for people to understand, the FBI came in and took over um, the inventory of the devices, took over the physical um, uh, possession of the devices, during which time there was there were two individuals there from NYPD who were quick enough and smart enough to take a, uh, a thumb drive, basically a thumb drive. It wasn't a thumb drive, but I'll just reference it like that, and transfer data from the devices onto this removable thumb drive. This is immediately before the FBI seized the physical possession of the devices. Now, what happened from that point is that was later discovered by the FBI. The uh, the, the files are in the hands, as we speak, of at least two. Um, I'm not gonna. I, I I won't even tell the agency's name. Two people who were on site there. And yes, you are correct that one of the files. There were multiple MP4 files, multiple MP. Uh, or multiple MP4 files, multiple JPEGs, and other images. Some going back to Epstein's um, island, some on the Lolita Express, and others actually from campaign, uh, Hillary Clinton campaign, senatorial campaign um, uh, activities. And this was surveillance conducted not just by... Epstein and others, but also by members of the Secret Service. This is not, I, I spoke about, I broke this on the Alex Jones show. This is back in January. And, um, uh, the additional information which you just, I just gave out there never before spoken, but I can verify the existence now, whether or not they'll ever see the light of day. Uh, honestly, Tom, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I just don't know because they will know where these came from and there's only a certain number of people that were in that in that raid and there's only a certain number of people that were in it that, that had access to the actual physical devices i don't know if that answers your question well it it, it does a lot because um and i want to ask you kind of a follow-up question um 
if you're aware of, of uh, Liz Crockin, uh, and I am familiar with her. In fact, she I think she writes for like the Politico and several really, really well-known Washington, D.C.-based investigative uh, news sites. Uh, and I think she's very respected. And if this, uh, if this other news source isn't uh, misquoting her or taking her out of context, and this was only published a couple of days ago. I only read it today, but it was only a couple of, published a few days ago, so it's not all the way back in January. Is it possible that circumstances have changed? Because uh, if they're quoting her correctly, she has watched the video of Hillary Clinton and Huma Abedin and this underage girl, and basically she is saying this is getting ready to be made public. Well, not basically. If they're quoting her correctly, she's saying this is getting ready to be made public, and it's going to blow the whole lid open on providing substantial evidence that there really was something behind the entire Pizzagate. Are you familiar with any of this now? Well, I'm familiar with the subject matter. I don't believe the the actual file. I, if... if um I don't believe anyone, and that that would include her, would have access to viewing the file, the authentic file from the devices. Uh, I would be, you know, in my view, okay. And, and now, I, look, I don't know. Um, I, 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 but I would be very surprised if they have been outside of a safety vault uh, since mid-January. Because okay. you know that that's just me. So no, I don't know. I'm not up on um, any more of that. Now I just want to be very clear with 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 people and with you. Um, but I would be very surprised if she actually laid eyes on okay. a file. Like well, that. I, yeah. So uh, and because this wasn't being reported by a major news media outlet that I know, that's why I wanted to ask you that question. I'm really glad that you clarified that for me. But the bottom line is, I think what we're seeing. Um, is um, the door opening. You know, Steve and I have talked a lot about the opening of portals. This is a different kind of a portal that's opening. And you've got young actors like Corey Feldman now uh, charging uh, that um, he was molested, as well as some of the other kids, uh, you know, the Hollywood actors, that they, they, they come in and these parents are willing to groom the kids for any kind of a role and turn a blind eye if they think it's going to make their kids famous and they're going to get a bunch of money or whatever. Robert Downey Jr., you might remember, late last year, he didn't say who, but he alleged that the hammer was getting ready to drop. And he said uh, that this reached all the way to the top in Hollywood of uh, different individuals who were molesting children. Specifically, he was talking about that. He wasn't talking about, uh, you know, um, putting a, a sexual harassment against adults. He was talking about the molestation of children. And now, of course, was Kevin Spacey, Harvey Weinstein, the brouhaha's, the reflecting. Um, support, I think, um, for allegations from, you know, people like Zachary King. Are you familiar with him, the former high wizard of the Satanic Church? And he's been out there lately claiming uh, inside knowledge of a Hollywood pedophilic, he calls it an epidemic, uh, in which celebrities at the highest levels are not only raping children, but in some cases sacrificing them, and that's why they turn up uh, and they're missing. But anyway, bottom line is, and I, I, I think I've said enough about this, uh, in the book Saboteurs, we do a thorough examination into what really was discovered in the WikiLeaks, 
what really was going on, uh, and whether or not uh, everything surrounding the actual Pizzagate conspiracy was overblown and never had any real substance. There has been a series of recent police raids on pedophilic circles in the United States, and some of them with ties to international child trading, that illustrates that this crime is not only alive and well, but as Steve Quayle has been saying for years, it includes the elite, and sometimes, as much as we hate to even think that this would even be possible in our modern world, it includes the occult elite who are either bloodletting or outright sacrificing some of these children. Now, President Trump, uh, just a few months ago, he responded to one of the arrests, uh, and he held a press conference, you'll probably remember, in which he announced his plan to bring the full force and weight of the United States government against what he called the epidemic of human trafficking. But did you notice that former uh, Congressman Cynthia McKinney, um, now remember, Cynthia, who certainly is no friend of the conservative right or Donald Trump, but she's the one that at one time challenged the elite on the floor of the House. People can Google this and read it about th what she called their participation in sex slavery, right? Talk about an eyebrow-raising moment. Well, when Trump said that he was going to bring the full force and weight of the U.S. government against the epidemic of human trafficking here a few months ago, she did a radio interview people can Google and watch on YouTube. Uh, in which she agreed with Trump's plan to take down child abusers, but she offered a really disquieting revelation of her own in the form of a warning to the new president. She said, if you go after pedophiles, plan to make arrests of both Republicans and Democrats reaching all the way to the top in Washington, D.C. You can watch her say this uh, in a recent radio interview uh, following his announcement that he was going to bring the full force and weight of the U.S. government. So the lid is it, its kind of cracking open right now. And uh, it, it kind of reminds me, um, remember, this has been almost a decade ago, maybe over a decade ago, when the Immigration and Custom Enforcement uh, investigation uh, into the purchase of child porn, remember it turned up something like 250 uh, military employees of the Defense Department that had been looking at child porn, remember that? And, and sharing, sharing with each other child porn. And then, again, mysteriously, right, the Pentagon refuses to investigate the culprit. Um, you had this um, Dutch whistleblower, Ronald Bernard, not long ago, uh, in an interview, um, talking about how he participated in secret sex cult societies that included rituals and human sacrifices. So you've got people coming out now, uh, and they're talking about everything from the highest levels of the U.S. government to Hollywood. Uh, you got veterans of the trade like John Robertson and Elijah Wood and Corey Feldman, and all of them coming forward now saying, please, people, pay attention to what's being said because this is real. And these are guys... They, you know, they, they have to be brave to do what they're doing because it could be the end of their career in Hollywood. It could be the end of their acting career. They'll be out there next week trying to sell real estate. And yet, here they are, they're saying, look, there are very dark secrets involving child sex abuse and cover-up. In fact, Robertson is another guy in particular 
that says the filmmaking capital's rampant pedophilia includes occult elements, including a child sacrifice. He's done radio interviews recently where he's talked about that and how they, they use these, uh, what he called uh, druidic, you know, druid, uh, incantations and witchcraft uh, and uh, uh, sacrifice of children. So anyway, I don't want to go on about that no more, but, but the point is uh, I'm glad that you clarified some of that for me because I thought, wow, you know, if this is really true about Hillary Clinton, and it might actually be true, uh, but if it was getting ready to be made news, man, I would think she'd be moving to another country with no extradition rules. Well, I think, too, that this is comes under the uh, category, you know, Doug, you remember on your show, I made this statement, and tonight there are, what, there are seven aircraft carriers out of port, and if you remember when uh, Obama was uh, president, and yes, you heard me, Obama was president, they basically had all our aircraft carriers in port, remember that? That was, what, uh, maybe two years ago? Yeah. I'm going to say something. If he ships out two more, you're going to have nine of the 11. I think that's going to be a very significant uh, symbol. Now, maybe it won't. Maybe they'll stay seven. But I think what, what we've got to cover tonight is the fact that the whole WikiLeaks, and especially the alien agenda. Let me define the alien agenda. The alien agenda is coming more and more into focus all across the world that the aliens will ultimately be here to save us from ourselves, that they created us, and that's the tie between Antarctica and Mars. That's the tie between all of the genetic engineering going on, the massive amounts of U.S. military beneath the ice, empire beneath the ice, uh, or you can go to the Daily Mail. Some people say that's crazy, and read Boriska, the boy from Mars. I don't know if you saw that, Tom. Two I years did. old I advancement. The earlier, yes. Yeah, okay. But but what what we're trying to have everyone understand, look, the fallen angels had lust for earth women. They wanted to insert themselves into the human bloodline. The, that union, that combination produced the giants, and again, I use a word different from most people, the Rephaim, which translates the dead. The Book of Enoch and the Book of Giants teach when those guys, the giants died, not fallen angels, the giants, that half-angelic uh, human hybrid became demons. And the giants in the world were cannibals. I'm sorry, but BFGs weren't real, big friendly giants. The point being is, is that we're now watching the cannibalism hit the main stage. And by the way, Tom, you've probably seen it, but everybody from uh, 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 The Rock said on Saturday Night Live, you know, Hail Satan. Uh, most of the rock and roll bands, uh, Rolling Stones, their song Sympathy for the Devil, uh, uh, Van Halen. It seems like the top bands have always had this statement. I believe Miley Cyrus made the statement, or somebody recently made the statement, well, Lucifer's just misunderstood. Well, here's the thing. The Christians have got, by, and only by, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord, to get a reality check. Because, ladies and gentlemen, the gates of hell aren't just a subject matter that Tom wrote about in the Armand Gate, or that I picked up on. I mean, it was Tom Horn on the show with Doug Hagman that basically uh, it was my time to have that key to my understanding unlocked. 
the point is I knew about Stargate's portals, but I never put them into the terms of Jesus' word. Now, you know, Tom, there are people out there that just say, oh, the gates of hell, that's just a metaphor. Well, I got news for you. It's not the metaphor busting into churches, killing people. There's even a story out that one of the lead psychiatrists, by the way, I looked him up, he's a real psychiatrist at New York Medical, one of the universities in New York, or New York Medical School, uh, basically said he's encountering true demon possession, and he's saying that true demon possession is real. And all I can tell you from, you know, my 40-whatever years of walking with Jesus, now 45, or stumbling with Jesus, is I've seen the real manifestation of demons where you're dealing with supernatural strength. The Christian does, in the, in the person possessed, the Christian does not have to fear that. But if there's no practical application of the Word of God, if there's no boldness, no authority, no uh, dominion, and I'm not talking about the dominionist theology, I'm talking about dominion, meaning the, actually the dunamis, the dynamite of the Holy Ghost, there's two words, authority, but what we're talking about is a supernatural plan conceived over uh, you know, millennia and, and, and before even the creation of Adam and Eve and the destruction that God brought about on Lucifer. That was my whole presentation, or forgive me, a uh, 15-minute part of my presentation at Branson, and it's really got people to think. So, so right now, ladies and gentlemen, where it all leads to is simply this. Tom, there's a war going on in the world of AI, and you and I, you might mention, quote, our secret project, and only give away as much as you feel comfortable, because uh, we're working on a secret project. You want to address that? Um. Not, not, not in detail. Yeah, not, not in detail, but just uh, as it relates to uh, University of London and the milieu. Yeah. All right. So, um, so you gave me a whole lot to have to deal with here, uh, to deal with uh, what the revelations about aliens, uh, contiguous aliens, and official disclosure uh, in the WikiLeaks. So I'll do that in a minute. Um, and then also what we have coming up. Well, let's just say this. If they thought that the 2017 conference was fantastic, brother, they better get ready for if we, if we do this. There's still a question about if we even are going to do this. But if we bring to Branson what we're talking about now in 2018, uh, and 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 we won't hold them out there very long. In in January, February, sometime in them, we'll start talking about it if we're going to do it. Uh, it's going to be the ultimate answer to the University of London, referring to me and you as the leaders of the Melu. I've had people tell me they love the way I say that because I can't speak French, so I sound like an Okie trying to speak French. <laughs> um, but yeah, naming you and I and those around us as the leaders of the transhumanist resistance. Uh, and let's just say there are some earth-shaking things that if we do it, and if we can put it all together, which is another big question, um, we'll start talking about it maybe in January. We'll, we'll have you and Timothy Alberino come down and come on Skywatch Television. Uh, and maybe maybe we'll tease that in December, and then in January start kind of unfolding what it all means. But it it would be a mega effort on our part. Uh, I think we can do it. Uh, we'll just see. We'll see what kind of feedback 
that we get from people. Now, Steve, um, before I go into this whole thing about the WikiLeaks revelations involving contiguous aliens, um, the, is this a good time since we skipped the... Yes. Um, yeah. What are you talk yeah, about? Let's... Yeah. Well, yeah, uh, you yeah, know, uh, Steve and, and and Tom, just to be clear, what we've done uh, for continuity of program, we've uh, uh, the, the next network break will be at the top of this hour. Uh, right. So, just to be clear, and uh, well, um, go ahead, sir. Go ahead. Yeah, Tom, if you'll go ahead and just introduce it, then I'll take it from there. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Um, I became aware of some things I didn't know anything about, and I don't want to say or do anything that would make Doug feel uncomfortable. So let me just let me just say that I became aware that there are some financial needs, um, and it has to do with the Hagman program. And I want to make sure that uh, this program remains on air, and that both Doug and Joe are, are uh, able to continue doing what they do uh, because you and I Steve you know we we see this really right down where the where the you know where the rubber meets the road and we know how few places and I'm including you know some of the some of the biggest most well-known so-called alternative radio programs out there uh, that would never allow me and you Steve to come on and talk with the kind of explicity that I just did in the first hour and a half of this program. They'd never let it happen, and if we if we recorded it, they'd just cut it out and wouldn't even broadcast it. There are very few, if if any, besides the Hagman report that allow for this kind of visible uh, discussion about what the real issues are. Really get behind to the what uh, you know what Lieutenant uh, Colonel Robert McGinnis calls the deeper state. Forget the deep state. We need to know what's going on in the deeper state, the saboteur's state. And I've never seen anybody like Doug that will so warmly open his program at his expense and allow me and you to come on. Uh, we talk about our books and products, and we hope for people to buy those products because that's how we function, too, and how we pay the, you know, the salaries of the people at workforce and all that. And, and Doug and... Uh, the Hagman report let us do that and then they just go off the air and they're always gracious and anytime we want to come on they let us do that and it's not just me and you it's all these other groundbreaking investigative reporters that are allowed to come on and do this and anyway at the conference I didn't know I just became aware that there were financial needs and so uh, I didn't want to embarrass Doug, but Steve, you and I got together after the fact, and we said, man, we need to do something about this. And so uh, Steve and I, uh, and, I and, and this is very clumsy sounding because we've not rehearsed anything that we were going to say about this. We just said we need to help uh, Doug raise his operating budget, at least some part of his operating budget, uh, for the next month or quarter or whatever. Um, and I don't even know exactly what that is, but I know it's a lot of money. Uh, and uh, so I said to Steve, I said, hey, Steve, what if we did this? You brought me on Hagman, and you challenged people to sponsor a pony, and you did all that, and you helped me build one of the integral buildings now that's being used 
for the Royal Family Kids Camp. We just celebrated that at our uh, our conference, and we met with some of the pony sponsors that have done that through Hagman. What if you and me, Steve, came back and said, okay, now we want to give back, and we want to challenge people. And so we decided that between the two of us, we would donate $10,000 and then challenge people out there to do what they can. If there are people that could that could donate $5,000 or $10,000 or $100 um, to help keep the Hagman Report free and on the air and able to bring in people like us so that you don't have to rely only on CNN and the sanitized news, well, worse than sanitized. This is one thing Trump absolutely does have, right? The fake news, right? Uh, so jump in here, Steve, and tell me, no, you did it really well. And here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. The the idea is simply this. The economy, who knows? Unfortunately, Doug and Joe weren't in Bitcoin, neither were I and Tom. But because we wanted to basically challenge those of you of means that can do this with us, we're not asking anybody to lead the way. We're going to lead the way. But if you can join with us to help them, I told Doug, I said, Doug, I think it's going to be a volatile six months. I know as things get tough, people get into a position where they can't give, and I don't despise the widow's might in any way, shape, or form. The idea is this, ladies and gentlemen, that we're asking you to stand with us. If you want to stand with us, and I just want you to email me and and, and put in there, stand with Doug. I want to thank uh, those of you who have already done this on a monthly basis. And look, we don't beg for money, but the point is, is that Doug's been honest with you. If you even understood the legal bills and the background because of, of uh, you know, uh, silly, and I would say this, unfounded litigation. If you were to understand the slander we deal with, and there are times when I have to talk to Doug and encourage him, and there are times, believe me, today was one of them, when I needed his counsel from an investigator standpoint just to see something I wasn't seeing correctly. But there are people that were at the Branson conference that came, and I know, look, I, if you got money in your pocket, I'm not asking, I'm not trying to pick it, okay? I'm only asking those of you who can to stand with Tom Horn and Steve Quayle. We each are going to send Doug a check for five grand, that's $10,000, and we're trying to get others to stand with us. Now listen, I take nothing or no one for granted. I know the days when, you know, our privilege, our freedom to even talk about what we're talking about. And I think, honestly, I think you gave it the statement, Tom. Uh, people are getting a PhD, uh, a pretty uh, uh, heavenly uh, degree in understanding the end times. And the people who have a hunger for the truth turn in, you know, tune in, and they turn on. That's what I'm trying to say, meaning their radio, their computer, whatever, to listen to this. And and I just want to thank you know every one of you who've prayed for Doug and Joe. I want to thank every one of you who has. Absolutely, uh, help them financially. I know there are people who can't, but the thing is, is that I can, Tom can, and there are others who can. So, please, ladies and gentlemen, you know, Doug's got a thing on his website where you can donate by PayPal, you can donate by credit card. But here's the deal: 
We're not on every other. There are new broadcasters that want you to sell this, sell that, sell this, and support us, support us, support us. That's never been the case on this program, nor will be. The goal is to raise six months, which will take us into pretty much May of next year, to be able to give them breathing room. If you watch where Doug started at to where they are now, they're doing the body a great service. And because so many of you send me emails, and, and you send them to Tom, you send them to Pastor Langford, you say, this is the only fellowship I've got. The, the people, for instance, that monitor Skywatch TV, and, and thank those of you who, who monitor my website, and I don't have, you guys, any bulletin boards or anything, but there are people that monitor uh, chat rooms, and I'd like to thank all 30 of you who do that on the days of Noah chat room. I don't do that kind of stuff, but Doug has literally, I can tell you this, I know what it's like to be so down, you're, you're, you feel like you're a subterranean person instead of a child of the king sometimes, and the devil works overtime. Also, the health issues, I'm not going into detail, but the health issues are real. And the point is, is that those are bills. So please, ladies and gentlemen, as those of you who stood to show your appreciation, we're asking you, those who can, I want to make it clear, those who can, to stand with us in our pledge of $10,000 to begin, if you will, pumping or priming the pump to be able to be a blessing to Doug and the Hagmans. And I want to share this with you, Doug. I thank you for providing the vehicle for all those who have sent me emails saying thank you for bringing me back to Jesus. Thank you for introducing me to Jesus. The ones who uh, basically, uh, they, they, they are just beyond jumping out of their uh, uh, skin sometimes. They want to come and they want to work. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it takes money. Nobody in Doug's organization, my organization, or Tom's organization, nobody is in any of our employees that doesn't get paid. In other words, the servant is worthy of the hire. So please, you can go on, uh, uh, you know, Doug's website. You can go on. You can send me an email. Uh, I don't need to know, but please stand with us. And send me an email if you're standing with us so I can pray. Because one of the things that we're going to do, I want to share something, the secret. Yeah, hey, Tom, neither you or I are good at keeping secrets, but we're good at kind of uh, throwing stuff out there. I want the now, pay attention. I'm giving you a code to be the biggest thing you've ever seen, and I want you to understand the most advanced thing you've ever seen. And, and uh, by the way, the speakers will be different. The speakers will be totally different, and we're reaching out to some of the most, um, I would say this is a fair statement, Tom, some of the brightest men in the world, and not all of them will be Christians, but some of them are having their own crisis of faith, even moving from the position of they used to be uh, atheists, and now they're agnostic because they come at the end of their genius, their brilliance in their life, they're going, there is design, I cannot get away from it. So ladies and gentlemen, we're, I'm giving you too many clues, but I've, I've, I promise you this, and somebody said, you didn't live up to your promise. I ran short of time. I went back, covered, a, uh, a produced an hour and 40-minute update that I would have given at Branson. That will not happen again, I assure you. Uh, so, you know, please stand with Doug, stand with Joe, and thank you for praying for them. 
and keep them covered in prayer. I, I can only say this, Doug, I promise you I'd never speak out of school, and I won't. But And, and I say this with all due respect to the Lord. Most people have no idea what they go through. I only do because Doug is my friend. Tom only does because I told him what was going on. It wasn't to breach any confidence. It was just to say, Tom, you and I have been blessed. He's allowed us free access. Let's prime the pump. So enough said about that. Please, yeah. ladies and, and gentlemen, and, stand and, with and, us. And, 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 and I went on in my own way to find out, uh, you know, what was being um, said and done. And, and uh, there are things that we're not... Yeah, I, look, I know right now Doug is probably wishing we would just shut up, <laughs> right? Uh, it's not his style. It's not Joe's style. They don't ask for money. They don't do any of those things. But listen, folks, the day could come when George Orwell's newspeak and groupthink, right, could come. In fact, it's coming now when the truth that contradicts the government's official line is not going to be tolerated. But the anointed force that could stop Orwell's totalitarianistic big government from owning our American lives, right now we have a chance, and it begins with the sacrifices and the partnership of those that could join me and Steve uh, in helping the Q, uh, I almost said the Q files. So look how far back I go, right, Steve? There you go. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Now the uh, Hagman report. Uh, and uh, and again, I know that Doug's having a hard time not telling us to shut up, and so we 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 will. Um, but uh, folks, pray about it. Pray about it. Uh, I certainly did, and I came out of that believing that I wanted to join Steve, and I wanted we wanted to challenge those. There are people out there that are listening to this program that are people of means. Um, Doug, they could underwrite your operating budget for 10 years, and it wouldn't mean anything. We're just asking for people who can. Now, I also don't despise the widow's might, and I will tell you that the woman or the, the, the senior uh, man out there that could send $10 is meaningful. It's a partnership. Join us in helping to make this happen and to keep the uh, Hagman Report on the air uh, and some of the other private needs that are needed right now uh, to, um, to to assure that this voice of freedom is going to continue with its ability to be able to operate. So, hey, Doug and Joe, from a personal word to you, thank you guys so much for doing what you do, uh, being willing against all odds, uh, even against things like health and things like that, to get up every day and continue doing what you do. God bless you guys so much. Well, thank you. We are humbled. There are no words. Yeah, we, we really do appreciate it. Um, you know, we just show up here every day and, and try to do our best. And uh, it's people like you, guests like you guys, who, who make the show great. So thank you so much. Well, and I believe by faith there are people out there that have heard. They're going to respond. Uh, they're part of the, they're part of the army of God, and they're going to help us help you. They're going to help you directly, uh, and uh, and we'll get these needs met. One of the things too that Tom that I think is really critical in saboteurs, I don't think that people understand the level of of uh, 
penetration. It's not just a few, it's the many. And if God is, uh, is historically, uh, repeating how he exposes uh, the sins nation, or the nation's sins and the leader's sins, then we can expect a lot of stuff to happen. But look, as Mike McQuitty, who passed away, he and his wife were both killed in a car, I think a car wreck, a car train wreck, something like that years ago. I've forgotten now. But remember this, God still can rain on one field and cause drought in another. Ladies and gentlemen, it's unprecedented. I just want to share a neat story. A little girl came up to me, and I guess by little, she's 12 or 13, and she couldn't get to me because, as you know, Tom, there are a lot of people, this will bless everybody. And her mother had passed away, and her, I got to hold it together, her inheritance, her share of the inheritance, her mother had a small life insurance policy. She said, I want you to have this. Now, I didn't know it until I opened the envelope. I opened the envelope, and immediately the Spirit of God said, I told her to give that to you. Now I want you to teach her the basis of giving, and it shall be given back to you. And I'm not going to tell you how much I sent her, but the Lord said, multiply it, Steve, and send it back. I got the most amazing, beautiful letter from, uh, from I guess he was 14, 13, 14, and that i got to tell you something. When you obey God... Things happen. I want to share one more thing because we're coming into the holiday season. And, and I don't care what your take is. This is every day can be a holy day for you. I was sitting in a restaurant in Bozeman the other day. And I, would, I said grace and I, I was just praying. I said, oh, Lord, you know, so many needs. And instantly in front of me, a couple was praying. And I have a policy. I don't know if I've said this to you, Tom, or maybe I've said it, but I, I, I do practice this on the uh, in reality. I went over to the couple after I bought their their lunch. You know, it wasn't much money. Uh, you know, and and the man took his hat off. He was wearing a baseball cap and kind of uh, a rancher farmer type, and his wife. And and they didn't just basically rush to a prayer. Uh, you know, scrub a dub dub. Thanks for the grub, Jesus. And I'm not making fun of that. I'm just saying. But they were solemnly giving thanks. So I, t I called the waitress over, and I said, and by the way, I'm trying to teach through this. I, w I got up after I paid for their meal, and I said, excuse me, I just want to thank the both of you for honoring the Lord Jesus Christ. And thank you for letting me be a part of you honoring the Lord. I just want to let you know your lunch is taken care of. They looked so amazed at that that... Actually, you know, uh, they just basically, they were almost astonished. So even in Cusco, Peru, so a lot of you who are on the Peru trip noticed we were walking by, I don't know, some one of those narrow streets, and forgive me, I don't know, but it was close to the plaza downtown, and there was a man and his wife, and they were taking their time praying. I mean, this wasn't a quickie deal. You know, they had needs, and, and I didn't know what the need is, but I felt the Lord said, Go take care of them. And, you know, same thing. So I want to give everybody a chance. The greatest witness is in caring. And if the Lord says, give that waitress an extra 10 bucks, and she says, but why did you give me so much? It's my time. I always say, God loves you. I used to know a preacher, Tom, an AG guy that was such a cheapskate, he'd give uh, tracks. I said to him, I said, uh, I'll just use his first name, Chuck, that won't pay her rent. 
you know, finally, I think he got the attention. So the thing is, ladies and gentlemen, I believe you've given, it's given back unto you. So I just wanted to share that because what a neat outcome of Branson for that 14-year-old girl. And Michaela, God bless you, uh, you know, uh, south of the equator. I do, I did read your letter and I do pray for you. Tom, I think it's marvelous what we're going to see because what you and I know, both coming out of the AG and you as a, you know, uh, I would say this, a, a figure, a high-ranking figure in the Assembly of Gods formerly. Isn't it cool how God's using us now in what I would call really getting out there? Your work with the kids, Nita's work with the kids, kids camp, everything you're doing is, when I say cool, I don't mean that to sound hip. I, I think it's, uh, what, how I would do that uh, to define cool is beyond what anybody would think beyond, and touching individual lives for Jesus. That's why, and by the way, I did get the revelation to help you in your shower, okay? I was at Tom <laughs> Horn's, what I call the Steve Wing, and if you guys don't know that, Tom and Nita are the most gracious people. And, you know, I saw the need, I saw, and, and by the grace of God, when he touches something, he touches it in a way that there is no uh, getting around the fact that it was God's touch. Is that a great way to say it? It is. Tom? At our and at our banquet this year, people were blown away. And some of the people that were just invited guests that had never sponsored a pony, they didn't even know what we were talking about. They came, um, Nita and I, Nita spoke, I spoke, Chris Carmichael, the head of the Royal Family Kids Camps International, uh, came and spoke. And uh, when they saw the video, and when, they, um, and, and when they understood what it is that we're doing, um, one week before I went to the conference and spoke to the, uh, uh, the kids, that had, the people, excuse me, that had sponsored ponies, which grew out of Hagman and Hagman, the Hagman Report, and Steve Quayle's idea about getting people to help us sponsor a pony. And there are people listening to this program tonight that are probably pony sponsors. Uh, one week before I went to that banquet, we had a, a, a young woman here on the grounds with 10 or so other people from her church because they're going to move their Royal Family Kids Camp to this facility. She, uh, I won't tell you her name or anything else on the air, she was the worst case of abuse in the history of foster care. Um, and when she was 10 years old, somebody took her to a Royal Family Kids Camp. And the founder of the Royal Family Kids Camp, Wayne Tesh, happened to be there. And this little girl came up to him. He didn't know her at the time. He didn't understand the level of what had happened to her. And she just said to him, she said, if I was to ever graduate from college, would you come to my graduation? This is a 10-year-old girl, right? What does she know? And Wayne Tesh, this is the quality of people that I'm working with. Wayne Tesh looked at her and he said, if you graduate from college, I will be there. So now, fast forward a decade later, and Wayne Tesh is on my property after we've done the Sponsor a Pony event on the Hagman program, which was your idea, Steve, and you wanted to, and you sponsored uh, Cowboy. Uh, uh, what do we call him? Uh, um, I forget what he calls him. Fabio. Yeah, Fabio. 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 Got... 
Yeah, Fabio. He's got great yeah. hair. Fabio, the little stud with all the hair. Uh, of course, he is the direct son of the most celebrated miniature. He's a, the most award-winning miniature uh, horse in American history. He's the direct son. So that's where he gets all that Fabio from. But in any case, um, uh, she's here, and uh, um, Wayne Tesh is here. And I say to him, hey, I'm going to see you in a, in a couple of weeks at your banquet. This is last year at your banquet in California. And Wayne Tesh says to me, sitting out there on the, the Polaris, right, the little vehicle we drive around in the forest, he says, I won't be there. I said, you're not going to be at your own banquet? Why? And he said, I gave a promise 10 years ago to a little girl. And I said, if, and he tells me the story, if I ever graduate from college, will you be there? He said, she's graduating, she's got her degree, she's got a teaching degree. Not only that, she's an ambassador. Um, and he said, um, I'm going to be there because I gave her my word. So that's the quality of people we deal with. Wow. So, so two weeks later, I'm at his banquet in California. He's not even there. And we're sitting there, and they put it up on Skype. Uh, and here's Wayne Tesh, the founder of the royal family, and this girl. Now she's a young woman, of course. She's 21 or something like that. Graduated a college. And uh, he is there with her because he told her he would be, and so he was when she graduated from school. Well, okay, so fast forward now to only a couple of weeks, a few weeks ago before I went to our uh, royal family uh, banquet and the pony sponsor banquet. She came here to my property with a du- uh, 10 people or so uh, from her church, and I got to meet her. They're making a move. They're making a Hollywood movie, actually about this young girl um, and everything that she's doing today. Such a sweet woman. Uh, so if people want to know what it is we're doing, that's what we're doing. We're standing in the gap. We're standing in the way. There are those in Hollywood and elsewhere that would abuse and do these young people. What we're oh. doing is we've learned that uh, 75%, these are real statistics, uh, Doug, of all of the people that are in California prisons were at one time in the foster care system. Tom, Steve, we're right up up against the break. Let's pick up right here where we left off, folks. You're listening to Tom Horn, SkywatchTV.com, SkywatchTVStore.com to get the new offer on his latest books, and SteveQuail.com. We'll be right back with both of these guys for our third and final hour after this break. Just what kind of thriller predicts the future? In three days in the belly of the beast, Daniel Holdings wrote about the God Particle before CERN actually discovered the God Particle. In As the Darkness Falls, Daniel wrote about an Islamist terrorist confederacy that rose up out of Syria and declared a caliphate three years before ISIS was ever heard of. In his newest novel, Between the Veil, Daniel talks about a space between dimensions where supernatural beings can walk. He says that these novels are a warning from the creator to his creation. 
Will war come to America? Will the world's economies collapse? Are we looking at increased earthquakes and volcanic activity? Will the United States fall into civil war? You can find all of Daniel's work at his website, DanielHoldings.com. That's DanielHoldings.com. All of these things and more are talked about in Daniel's books. To find out what's coming next, go to DanielHoldings.com. Worldwide demand is making coconuts one of the highest-yielding cash crops available today. Coca-Cola, Pepsi, and many high-net-worth individuals have invested billions of dollars into coconuts for strong growth and solid long-term income. Yields could be as high as 18% or more per year. Capital appreciation and exceptional income for up to 60 long years would be an absolutely brilliant investment to pass on to future generations. Diversify wisely with direct ownership of fully managed coconuts on prime farmland close to the beautiful Costa Rican border. For more information, qualified accredited investors should go to ProfitsInCoconuts.com or phone 855-888-6288. That's 855-888-6288. This announcement does not constitute an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offer made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288 or visit ProfitsInCoconuts.com. ProfitsInCoconuts.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in this community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. At HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Welcome to this edition of the Hagman Report, hagmanreport.com. That's our website. And from there, if you go to the uh, write-up for tonight's broadcast, you can go directly to stevequail.com and directly to Skywatch TV. And Skywatch TV, of course, their special on their uh, on Tom's uh, book, a Saboteur. Let me tell you something. It's it's the finest work, investigative work product I've read. And, and that's uh, with respect to the topic at hand it answers so many questions that that, that i had um it connects a lot of dots and that's just not uh not to say it It, it's it's meaningful i I just i I cannot begin to tell you uh the library well how important it is for your library and you know it, it adds so much uh, depth to the subject matter at hand. Now, having said that, uh, I also want to just I want to thank both uh, Steve Quayle and Tom Horn. Uh, I, there's no words that that, that either Joe or I could ex- use to express our thanks for not not just for supporting us, but for what they do. And you know, if you knew, they they talk about you know 
what we go through. You've got no idea what they go through, uh, together and separately. And, 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 but we're, we're all in this together as, as Christians. And, and I'm very proud to say that, and so is Joe, that we stand with Steve Quayle. We stand with Tom Horn and his wife, uh, the sponsor of Pony, by the way, is just absolutely incredible. There's so much good that both of these men do that, uh, you, you, you know of. But there's so much that you'll never know because they're not uh, they're not one to tell you. So the the takeaway from this is we as Christians must stand together, and we must keep uh, forging ahead despite the dark days, the storm clouds. And we can we, we can do it. We we all can do it. Before we get back to our very esteemed guests, uh, Steve was talking about uh, uh, a. a person worthy of his hire you know and this is one thing that when we were expanding in, in our expansion phase we needed uh, specific talent for specific purposes and if you've ever if you own a business small medium or large and if, if you if you've if you're in need of great talent for your business, but if you're short on time, uh, you don't have to get lost in a huge stack of resumes to find your perfect hire. You just need the right tools. You need smarter tools. And, and We've got them for you. ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards with just one click. So you can rest easy knowing your job is being seen by the right candidates. Then ZipRecruiter puts its smart matching technology to work. I've seen this work. It's absolutely amazing. Actively notifying quality candidates about your job within minutes of posting so you receive the best possible matches. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. And unlike other hiring sites, ZipRecruiter, well, they don't depend on the right candidates finding you. It finds them. That's no wonder 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through their job site in just one day. It is absolutely amazing. You've got to try it out. ZipRecruiter, it's the smartest way to hire. Now, here's the deal with our audience. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by growing businesses of all sizes in all industries just about to find the most qualified job candidate with immediate results right now our listeners to the hagman report can post jobs on zip recruiter for free that's right free just go to ziprecruiter.com slash hagman that's ziprecruiter.com slash hagman one more time to try for free that's ziprecruiter.com slash hagman and again it's our very very Esteemed privilege to, to to bring to bring to you the guest Tom Horn was talking about seventy five percent of the children being in foster families, and this is something near and dear to my heart that uh, Tom Horn was talking about uh, the the good that uh, uh, Doctor Horn and Mrs Horn are doing, and, and of course the. Um, it just it just warms my heart, especially against the backdrop of everything that we've been seeing in the world over the last couple of weeks, couple of months. Uh, this is a shining light, this beacon in the darkness. And, and with that, Joe, I'm just going to toss it right back to Tom Horn, and he can continue his thought that he had before the break. Tom, go ahead, sir. Yeah, yeah. So, well, anyway, uh, just wanted people to know. Um, that uh, the Hagman uh, report helps in so many different kinds of ways. We do deal here, and you give us the opportunity to deal with some of the hardest-hitting investigative journalism, stuff that people are absolutely not going to ever hear on CNN, for crying out loud, let alone on Fox News. 
Uh, and uh, But you also deal with these other real-life, kind of tangible, down-to-earth things where uh, people are making contributions for crying out loud. They're going to listen to the Hagman Report and sponsor a pony because Stephen Quayle and, Joe, and Doug Hagman made this available and know that the donation that they made to build this infrastructure is now being used to actually uh, intervene in the life of young people who otherwise could wind up in, in very desperate situations. So it's absolutely the opposite. of and, oh, and by the way, during the conference, we opened up uh, Whispering Ponies Ranch. We made it available for people to come so that they could see exactly what they had invested in. Uh, and we're going to be doing that again in 2018. In fact, we're actually going to have the banquet on the ground of the Whispering Ponies Ranch in 2018. If people want to know, learn more about that, they can go to skywatchtv.com, click on the thing that says Sponsor a Pony. Even if they don't sponsor a pony, they can read there what's going on. But all of that grew out of a great idea by my good friend Steve Quayle and my good friends Doug and Joe Hagman, who made that opportunity available so that the people out there that are listening to this program know that when they help you stay on the air, they're not just, they are keeping a beacon of information and truth available, but it's more than just that. They're also, in very tangible ways, providing for ministry that is standing in the gap for young people who otherwise uh, are going to be forgotten by the industry. And, and I, don't, I don't mean, by the way, here to be mean, but let me just say, this is going to sound terrible, but I'm going to say it. Most big-haired evangelists are not going to spend a moment of airtime advocating for these children. Why? Because they have nothing. They can't give you money. They can't give you anything. You do this because it is the fulfillment of the New Testament where it says that pure religion and undefiled is ministering to orphans and widows. So the fact, Joe and Doug, that you guys deal with all this great big stuff, right? Big stuff, big investigative stuff, but you would actually take airtime to make people aware of a ministry that is simply standing in the gap for kids like this little girl who was the most abused girl in the history, in the history. I don't even want to know what that means, right? The most abused young girl, 10 years of age, in the history of uh, foster care. And today, 10 years later, she is an ambassador for the Royal Family Kids camps that we're operating here at the Whispering Ponies Ranch. So anyway, now... Steve asked me to, 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 and I know we've only got like 45 minutes or something. He asked me to deal with a couple of other things that came out of WikiLeaks, one of them being contiguous aliens, and also the whole idea behind uh, the great champion uh, and the fourth turning. I don't think we're going to have time to deal with all this, but let me just jump in and we'll go as far as we can. In November and December of this year, so starting literally later this month, in a, in, a, in a week and a half from this broadcast, um, and then going until the middle of December at skywatchtv.com, we're going to broadcast five weeks of special investigative reports 
involving what, for me, started over a decade ago with Steve Quayle, uh, but was reflected most recently in the WikiLeaks uh, having to do with contiguous aliens. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, approximately 10 years ago, uh, some of you will recall this. I released um, a very, it was actually a very poorly written book because I never intended it to be a book, but a book called Nephilim Stargate. Uh, I had written an online series under that name. My editor thought it should be turned into a book. It's a long story. She took the online series, didn't even edit it, put it in <laughs> the form of a book and stuck it out there. I didn't read it for six months because I was moving from Oregon to uh, Missouri. When I finally did read it, I said, oh, my gosh, it's, it's, oh, it's awful. And yet it's gotten really high reviews, and people have bought it forever. Why? Um, because it began in a kind of spinoff of a series of shows that I was doing with Steve Quayle a decade ago. Are you there, Steve? I am here, Tom, and I, you know, I mean, it's still amazing when I look back. I go, where did the decade go? <laughs> but the point is, is that that was the most, in my opinion, that was a turning point uh, book that basically opened up. And I, Tom, I believe this. I believe that when you had that revelation, it was God's time to reveal it. Because I can tell you point blank, I live in that world of, of uh, that type of information. But stargates and portals. But when you when you opened the key to everyone, I think then everyone was uh, brought into that point. And by the way, they couldn't have received it, in my opinion, most likely, unless Hollywood had even prepared the way for you. Yeah. So okay. So I just wanted to make sure you were there because as I'm talking about this, I want you to be my affidavit on all this. Right? It's a, it's a, it's a, it was a decade at least. It might have been more than that ago. Uh, you and me started doing a bunch of programs. Based on those programs, I decided to write this online series. Now, people need to keep in mind, this was kind of early in the Internet. Uh, there was no iPhones. There was none of that stuff back when we were doing this. So it was kind of just a really early kind of Internet thing. And so I started posting the results of some of these shows on the Internet. Uh, and then I got invited uh, out of the blue, J.R. Church, who I had known for some time, and Gary Stearman, they invite me, they ask me to come over and do some prophecy in the news broadcast on the very same subject, in which we were discussing, me, Steve Quayle, and then later, uh, J.R. Church, before he died of cancer. We were talking about this idea of portals, doorways, openings, um, a concept that's actually a really ancient one that gateways between our world and other dimensions exist or that can be created uh, through which entities can pass from some other reality into this reality. And so that was really just kind of the general discussion. And at one point, one of, uh, a series of the programs um, we started talking about um, Aliaster Crowley and how uh, Aliaster Crowley and then uh, Jet Propulsion Laboratory founder Jack Parsons and L. Ron Hubbard, the Church of Scientology founder, had tried to open portals. And the discussion between me and Steve and then later between me and J.R. Church and Gary Sturman 
we talked about how in 1918. Now you're going to you'll see in just a second what this has to do with the uh, more modern WikiLeaks releases. What it has to do with that. 1918. So you have a famed occultist by the name of Aliester Crowley. He's li- he's literally like a uh, you know a, a CIA agent and all these other things. He was attempting to create a dimensional vortex that would bridge a gap between the world of the seen and the unseen. And his ritual was called the Amalantra working. And according to Crowley, it was successful when a presence came through this rift that he was trying to open through sex magic rituals. He called the being that came through the rift Lamb, if you want to believe that it happened. He called it Lamb. He drew a portrait of it. And that image, uh, which was detailed uh, over 90 years ago now, has a very powerful similarity with alien grades of today's pop culture. Now, fast forward. L. Ron Hubbard and Jack Parsons, they went on to attempt the same uh, kind of portal opening magic, but they didn't want to bring through Lamb uh, that Crowley had uh, brought through according to his testimony. Um, They were wanting to invite the spirit of Babylon, um, the archetype divine feminine, the whore of Babylon. Uh, And they called their magical working the Babylon. They spelled it B-A-B-A-L-O-N, if you want to Google that. The Babylon working. Um, and And But they incorporated a lot of the same stuff, sex, magic, rituals, and so on. And their hope, their hope was to incarnate this whore of Babylon, this demon child, uh, this gibberim, into the embryo of an American female child. And Parsons wrote that the ritual was successful. He successfully wrote this in his uh, um, uh, bio. And that at one point, this brownish-yellow light came through a doorway that they had opened. And at the same moment, he said he was struck by something invisible, which knocked him sideways. A candle was knocked out of his hand. All this phenomenon, he said, uh, happened. Now, it's interesting that following uh, Crowley's magic portal, which produced the alien-looking lamb, and Hubbard and Parsons' Babylon working ritual that Crowley died in 1947, the same year as the Roswell crash, and the same year that Kenneth Arnold, who was a friend of Parsons, by the way, a lot of people don't know that, uh, he saw his flying saucers and his sightings of aliens uh, and so on, which increased around the world. Um, Now, there's something else here, that I want to just put out there, and I talk about it in the new book, Saboteurs, and we're going to have to wait to see what happens. But Parsons and Hubbard's Babylon working explicitly stated the goal of transforming traditional American values and using very high dark ritual magic um, at um, the hope at, uh, of incarnating the archetype divine feminine to change the culture of America through the influence of this spirit. And it was a matter of record that feminism was sowed into public consciousness from the ivy towers of academia, 
shortly subsequent to Jack Parsons' dark invocations that was carried out in 1946. Now, why am I bringing all this up? The Babylon working, the whole purpose behind it was to give birth to a magical being, a moon child, as Crowley described it in his work, using the energy of the ninth degree sex magic from the Liber uh, Alvi Legis, I think it was called, the Book of the Law, from which the spirit dinners, by the way, of occultism that are referred to in the Wikipedia lake uh, are derived. Um, those rites were intended to open a doorway through which the, the uh, godless Babylon herself might be conceived in human form. Parsons believed that he and Hubbard accomplished that task in 1946. In fact, like I say, if you read his biography, he's got a whole celebratory statement in there regarding her embodiment in a child somewhere uh, in the United States. He writes that uh, in a fragment of his writings in which he said that Babylon, I'll quote it here, in a manner like that of the Immaculate Conception was due to be born in a woman somewhere on earth in nine months' time. Uh, Babylon is incarnate on the earth today, awaiting the proper hour of her manifestation, end quote. So if you put any stock at all in what he had to say, and I would certainly understand that people don't, but that might not have anything to do with what the people around Hillary Clinton might have believed. Because if his magic was to be believed, then one would expect that a female child would have been born in 1947, that would later rise to international prominence, that would be an outspoken feminist, and who would have the political clout to influence or even guide the nations of the world. And indeed, an influential feminist was born in 1947 that offers the most promise, in my opinion, for identifying the fruit of Parsons' infamous ritual, uh, and that is Hillary Rodham Clinton. Now, Fast forward a year later, and in 1948, Parsons writes another book called The Book of the Antichrist. And in that book, he claims that uh, the spirit of this female child came to him in a vision and said to him, I'm here, I'm alive, I'm one years old now. I'm doing well, I'm healthy, and I'm going to grow up and help to promote the, the entire feminist aspiration across America, blah, 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 but I'm going to help the Antichrist come to power. Now, what's interesting about the book of Antichrist, which he wrote in 1948, is in one line in that book, the spirit, he said, now keep in mind, he wrote this 69 years ago. 69 years ago, he said, the spirit of this child identified herself to me by name. She said, my name is Hilarion. And of course, that is the archaic Hillary. That's, the, that's where the name, the female version of the male Hilarion comes from, Hillary. And so in the book Saboteurs, I go into all of the details around all of this, this magic and all the stuff that was being said. And I, I challenge people, actually, to uh, give me the mathematical probabilities that somebody born in 1947 named Hillary 
would grow up to become an internationally known feminist who would have the potential to influence um, the future presidency of the United States of America, either by becoming the president or the vice president, or even just having an influence uh, on the party that would give rise to that individual. This could be Bernie Sanders, a socialist, for all I know. And think of that when you read the book Saboteurs. Think of that in light of what we are learning now about the entire Clinton family dominance over the Democratic Party and how they took control of it to influence who could eventually become the next president of the United States of America. And then reflect upon that, how God himself may have stepped in, stopped the plans of the occultists, and is giving America today a chance to maybe make a difference in the future of this country. Um, so, now, what does that have to do um, with the contiguous aliens? Um, several years after the programs I did with Steve Quayle and the Prophecy in the News shows aired, aired um, there was a book that came out by Nick Redfern, who I've interviewed him. I interviewed him. We published our interview with him in the book Exo Vaticana. I've talked to him on the phone since then. Um, he wrote a book called Final Event that was released, and it repeated the same basic outline of the interviews that I had done with Steve Quayle earlier than the release of his book. But this time around... Uh, the theory reportedly had the backing, the theory that gates of uh, other dimensions can be opened. It had the backing of a secret government group that had been commissioned to get to the bottom of the UFO phenomenon and that ultimately concluded that what Steve Quayle and I had been talking about was true, that the mysterious manifestation of entities coming through these doorways are demonic. That's what the Collins elite determined. These are demonic, not from another world, not from Zeta Articuli, not flying here in a UFO. These are from another dimension. They are demonic and they are directly connected to Parsons and Company and their Babylon working. Now, according to Redfern, this group is an interdisciplinary group inside the United States government that are called the Collins Elite. Now, I have to tell you, because when his book came out, I read it, I was really skeptical of the final events book. I actually, I just sensed that, I'm not going to point fingers at anybody in particular, but I sensed that somebody somewhere had simply taken what me and Steve Quayle had been talking about for two to three years beforehand uh, and had extrapolated it into a full-blown fabrication. But to give him the benefit of the doubt, I contacted Nick Redfern and in turn interviewed him for Exo Vaticana. He contacted the uh, CE, the Collins Elite, for me to set up a meeting. Um, and uh, he also provided documentation for the book Exo Vaticana involving how he got together with them and all that. 
Uh, I agreed to meet with a member of the Collins elite anywhere, anytime, and still have. That's why I called him here just a little while ago. Actually, in the lead-up to me and Steve Quayle's work uh, on uh, uh, unearthing the lost world of the cloud eaters, I called him and said, I would even pay you a reward to put me in contact with a member of the Collins elite. Uh, and, uh, and I was told that that could happen soon. And in fact, the other day he told me, it can still happen. They may contact you at any moment. Uh, but as of this date, I'm still waiting. Now, in addition to my discussions with Nick Redfern, I made really significant efforts to verify his, his story concerning the Collins elite. Uh, and I reached out. Some of you know that I have contacts inside the United States government. I have contacts in U.S. military intelligence, in national uh, defense uh, departments, inside the Department of Defense, inside the Intel Top Secret Security Clearances. Um, and at first, everybody that I reached out to came back empty-handed. They, and, and that, by the way, that included uh, Colonel Steve Bauer, who served longer as the United States government military aide than anybody in the history of the White House, under five United States presidents, Nixon, Ford, Carter, Reagan, and Bush. And Bauer told me he had never heard of the Collins elite and couldn't locate a single intelligence resource that otherwise would substantiate Redfern's claim. He believed that this had simply been picked up from conversations that me and Steve Quayle had been making over a decade earlier, and somebody made a full-blown fabrication out of it. But I knew, having said that, that it didn't mean Redfern's story was untrue, because counterintelligence, majestic 12-level compartmentalization, official denial, these are all really well-established parts of the government's past and present protocols when handling questions concerning things like UFOs and contiguous aliens that are inside the um, uh, WikiLeaks scandal, uh, and uh, you know, alien abduction activity, that kind of thing. A fact that really every significant investigator into the phenomenon has run into whenever trying to separate facts from fiction. So I knew that was true, so I moved on. I checked with a former director of Britain's Military of Defense, uh, departments, uh, UFO research, Nick Pope. Many of you have heard of Nick. Uh, Nick's been an acquaintance of mine for a while. I've interviewed him numerous times. Uh, but I was surprised what Nick told me. He cautioned against disbelief and even confirmed some of the elements of the Collins elite-like group there, he said, in Britain's aristocracy. Um, and then after that, I reached out to Gregory Richford, who's a ball aerospace contact that works with advanced systems and technology for uh, space control and special missions inside ball aerospace. It has gigantic contracts with U.S. government and NASA. And he, too, cautioned against doubting the Collins reality. And he actually sent me a four-page document outlining the main point of how the Collins uh, protocols, if you will, work, and then he ended it with this ominous warning to me that dangers exist and that I need to be really careful. 
um, a something that another contact also told me not long ago that I need to be really careful about what I divulge and what I say. Um, and so uh, in the book, Saboteurs, we make as many references as we need to to the inferences inside the WikiLeaks scandals having to do with contiguous aliens. But here's something that I want people to know. There was a very key ancient text, and this according to um, uh, uh, Nick Redfern and his sources, the Collins elite and everybody else, a key text that led the Collins elite, this interdisciplinary, highly secretive group inside the United States government, to decipher that what we call alien abduction is actually um, an activity of demonism. There was a key text. Guess where it came from? It came from an from a uh, uh, a work that's been out of published uh, out of uh, print for over 100 years, and it is called the Devils and Evil Spirits of Babylonia. Now, when I found out about that, and I also found out the key to their understanding of what's going on in so-called alien abduction phenomenon was a work called Fallen Angels and the Heroes of Mythology. Um, I sent out my crew to find the original manuscripts. Guess what we did? We put both of these works that have been out of print for over 100 years, The Devils and Evil Spirits of Babylonia, that has the the actual uh, Babylonian sorceress uh, incantations, if you will, that caused the Collins elite to believe that we were talking here in abduction about demonological phenomenon comparable to what the Bible describes and to what Tom Horn and Steve Quo were talking about over 10 years ago. Um, that convinced them of that. We found the manuscripts for the devils and evil spirits of Babylonia and the fallen angels and heroes of mythology, and I commissioned having both of those works put back into print in the English language in hardback, oversized, large, uh, hardback collector's edition volumes. And right now, when people go to uh, skywatchtv.com and they buy the book Saboteurs, actually buy the Saboteurs collection, which has the three books, Saboteurs, The Deeper State by Colonel McGinnis and Gods and Thrones by Carl Gallup, all uh, for less money than Amazon sells them for. We're giving away $130 worth of stuff over there, which includes the two hardback collector's editions of these two volumes. Uh, it also includes uh, some uh, a DVD called Off the Record that has all these uh, interviews with different people talking about uh, the, um, well, I probably shouldn't give up too much about that, but the uh, occultism in Washington, D.C. It also has a, uh, an audio collection there called Shadow Hand, which is over 20 hours of the best of the material that Steve Quayle and I have recorded for more than a decade. Uh, so anyway, if people are interested in the book Saboteurs, go to skywatchtv.com, click on that. But if for no other reason, you need to get this collection because we are not give those two hardback books that the Collins Elite identified, we're not selling those on Amazon, we're not anything. They're only available in that collection, and they are literally a must-have part of any serious uh, you know, student 
of scholarly research. Uh, their library, they got to have it. So anyway, uh, I, I'm amazed. By the way, I'm amazed that those two uh, books, which I I only heard of the uh, the one, uh, not but not the other. I'm amazed that you were able to. Um, to, to do this in 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 actual hard copy, this is amazing. The, the devils and evil spirits of Babylonia is what I what I heard. The fallen angels and the heroes of mythology, I did not. So thank you for that. Yeah, and I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Um, so now, and, and by the way, the people in the warehouse hate me when I do this <laughs> um, because I, I make this stuff up on the cuff, and then they have to live with it. I, if people are listening to this program. Uh, if you go there and you click on that ad, you're going to already see that you got to get this. But uh, if, when checking out in the comments section, just type in, I heard you on Hagman. And I'm going to tell, I'll send the email after the program tonight. I'm going to tell the people in the warehouse that I want them to send, I want to just have them add a bunch of stuff. A collection of the, the best of uh, interviews between me, Steve, uh, it, it, you know, uh, beyond, in other words, what you're going to see in that ad, the, uh, the best of Skywatch Television 2017 programs that we did, some of which were never even broadcast. But I'm going to tell them to add that, throw in some other books and stuff. It, it's, it'll, it'll wind up being like a couple of hundred dollars worth of free stuff. But just when you go there, tell them I heard you on Hagman, and then they're going to they're put the extra stuff in there. In addition to the $130 worth of free stuff that they're already adding to the Saboteurs collection. It's amazing. Well, Thank I think, you. yeah, I think, Doug, one of the things, too, when we tell you this stuff, ladies and gentlemen, there's a wonderful proverb that says, it is within the heart of a king to search out a matter. Both Tom and I, in our combined years of doing this, I mean, we got a lot of years under our belt. But what we're trying to do is give, and I mean this, I told everybody, there, you know, Tom, you've, you've seen the promise, too, in some of the uh, uh, pseudepigraphal works that talks about children will grow up so fast that children will become learned in a short matter of time. I'm telling you, I'm seeing that, Doug, in my email. There are mothers and fathers sending me emails about their kids coming to them and explaining to them what Jesus told them. Now, I don't care who believes them. I don't care whether the people that are cynic, scornful, and you know, it's amazing how many of those people listen to us, but the point is, is that there's being an acceleration mode, and it's my heart's desire and Tom's heart's desire to get everyone to the point where, look, you can benefit by basically a, a and, and I believe this, I believe the parable of the different people that came to work at the different times during the day in the, you know, for the master, they were paid the same thing. I believe that applies to knowledge. So for those of you who think that, you know, all oh, these guys got decades under their belt and they've done this research, blah, 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 God will bring you up to speed faster than you can even imagine, and you will not come behind in any good thing, because the promise is the knowledge of the living God is going to fill the whole land. Now, I understand that people, there's some people that don't believe in the millennium, there are others that do. I happen to believe in the literal millennial reign of Jesus Christ. Uh, I know there are people out there that are, are making all kinds of claims, but here's the deal. The Lord's Word, the Bible says, call unto me, 
meaning God's uh, you know, challenge to you and to me and all of us, and I will show you great and mighty things you know not of. And so that's what we're trying to do, Doug, and we want to thank you again for allowing us to do that. Now, one of the things, too, Tom, I just sent you, by the way, it's in your, uh, it's in your inbox, or it should be. Uh, you know, the thing is, is that the story of the aviary, okay? And have you done much investigation of that? Well, yeah, uh, I'm not connected to the Internet, so I can't read the article just now. Okay, okay, yeah, but when you do, and basically it's a group of PhDs. It would almost be like uh, Majestic, and then Majestic, according to, uh, I absolutely can only tell you, I knew the head of uh, the Magi, which was the offshoot of Majestic 12. Uh, the magicians are the bad guys. Majestic. So there's been a war in the world of Majestic. 12, and again, everybody's vying for power, everybody's vying for control of the world. It's kind of like that song, Tears for Fears, everybody wants to rule the world. But I would encourage people to look up the aviary, okay? Because the aviary is a group of people very similar to the Collins elite. And, and, and there's a list of different people that are believed to be there, but what's most interesting is these are the who's who, you know, of uh, uh, both military and the scientific community. Obviously, uh, uh, people like SciTech, the company, there's a marvelous article, and I'll post it on my website so people can see it. But the gist of it is, Doug, just because someone says, I don't believe that stuff, I want to share something for those of you, and this is critical that you hear this everybody the word conspiracy theory was introduced by the cia in order to offset all revelations of truth remember if you can uh, solinsky's principle you can isolate people you can denigrate you can mock you can ridicule scorn and pretty soon the people that put up with it they just basically either give up or they get killed by the grace of god we're still alive by the grace of god all three of us tom you i'm sorry you tom Doug, me, and others who are listening into this program. The point of being, and what I'm trying to be as clear as I can be, is the groups, the secret ones, at the end of the day, and here's where I'll, I'll take everybody to the bottom line, that goes back to the Egyptian priesthood that was given the secret knowledge from the Sumerians, whose own table of kings goes back a quarter of a million years prior to the creation of Adam and Eve. The idea is, is that the Sumerians could uh, have such advanced mathematics, advanced acknowledgments of astronomy, and oh, by the way, they did portray planets as circular, and there was no NASA in those days, or NASA. There was no, uh, you know, uh, holographic projections in those days. So as we take a look at this priesthood, it was just like in, in, and we're seeing even now today, you've probably seen the story, that they claim that uh, Nan Madal in the South Pacific, uh, you know, may have been Atlantis. Well, it wasn't Atlantis, but it could have been Lemuria or Mew. And then New Zealand is called Zealandia, the lost continents, and they're rising. 
so just because somebody says, well, I don't believe this stuff, when people send me, or I, you know, I read, you know, what people send, you're a fear monger. You, you're guilty of pornography or fear porn. The point is, I, I tell people, you don't get it. Go back and look what the former director of the CIA said. You'll know that we have succeeded when the American people, everything they believe is a lie. I believe God is stripping off the veneer of lies, showing you the depths of Satan, everyone, showing you who is the control force, the controlling evil spirit behind the politics, behind the quote-unquote religion of the day, behind the efforts to welcome the aliens in. Uh, Tom has done so many shows with me and um, uh, other uh, uh, people on different uh, radio shows shows, television shows about Exo Vaticana. The whole idea is simply this. We're trying to diffuse, and I guess this is the bottom line and a good way to say this, we're trying to diffuse the greatest deception that Jesus said if it were possible, even the elect would be deceived. Yet for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. So the point in, in, in us coming on with Doug, the times we come on, or Tom's on Skywatch, or Jim Baker's show, or where I end up, do you understand we're trying to add precept to precept? We're trying to give you information. There are times, Tom, unfortunately, you know, uh, I've had this speaking code. There are people around the world that listen to that code and have gone on the basis of that code. They're not planning anything nefarious, but they know what certain code words mean, and, and I'm not talking about just your average listener. The point being is, is that the idea that when the revelation comes and the aliens are brought forth and you found you find out that just like the mad um, oh the mad comic book the, the famous one I remember is you know Santa Claus he's taken off a Santa suit and Satan when God reveals and strips away all of the alluring shiny if you will uh, what I would call gingerbread the trappings and you see evil for what it truly is now look I wish and I do I pray we would have never had to know good and evil but unfortunately we do and we have to understand that the power of God is going to be manifest to overcome you know to those who believe and receive you know not deny and whine and cry but the point is is that this is why so much of what we do ladies and gentlemen I'm talking to everybody tonight is to get you to understand what's really going on I, I just wanted to make that statement because, again, the aviary, the aquarium, and eschatology, that's kind of an interesting uh, bit of... And, and you all need to pray. Look, I don't know that everything that everybody says about the Collins elite or the aviary is true. I can only tell you this. Uh, in the past, when I've talked about the aviary, my... My computer's gone down. When I used to talk about it on WWCR, you know, they do detune the uh, antenna. They'd fry and try and fry me through the computer, literally. And so, you know, here, here's the deal. I don't know any other way to say this, Tom. The offer that Tom is making you for all the publications, especially saboteurs, saboteurs, in my opinion, lays it out so plain for you to see politics. Politics is a bunch of horse manure and not pony poop, okay? We're talking serious horse manure. Thought you'd appreciate that one. You know, 
serious horse manure, and they're trying to get you to see it as, you know, a, 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 a cornucopia of a utopian future. Wrong. It is hell unleashed. Wrong. And I, and I want to share something. I'm going to be, uh, how do I say this, concentrating on something I said 10 years ago, Doug, that no one believed. And when I say this, you've openly said you didn't believe it, and I'm not picking on you. I'm just saying that when I started talking about demon possession of machines, I was talking about spiritual sentient evil residing in machines. Well, people can't even, uh, uh, you know, deal with that. Then you go read about Talos, T-A-L-O-S, who was 100 feet tall, and he was the first robot, 400 B.C., so, ladies and gentlemen, the idea of Sir Francis uh, Bacon's New Atlantis, the idea of the secret societies, and I've always said this, it's the Egyptian priesthood. I'm not talking about the Egyptian priests that you would be familiar with. I'm talking about the ones that have an, uh, an auxiliary uh, library of Alexandria that didn't sink beneath the seas, and the hidden knowledge, that word occult means to hide or to Include the hidden knowledge which they have brought humanity and the human beings under uh, subjection, destruction, uh, all the horrific things they do to people. God is blowing the lid on it. But your position isn't to marvel in the information. Your position is to get right with Jesus. Because I, I love what Pastor Langford said, Tom. He said, God isn't far. God never turns his uh, face away from us. He loves his creation. But we choose to turn our face away from him and walk away from him. So the point is, I'm asking everybody tonight that's walked away from the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm asking everybody tonight that thinks that, like I said, that all this stuff is crazy, to at least say, even if you're an atheist or an agnostic, God, if you're out there and this stuff's real, reveal it to me. And I can tell you this, an honest atheist I have more respect for than a guy with puffed up hair saying this, I'll give you 777 blessings. You just lay your hands on the television set. Don't lay your hands on the television set before you put them in your pockets, brothers and sisters. I want you to wave at the Lord, uh, what they should say, Throw it up in the air. Whatever God wants, he keeps. Whatever falls to the ground, you keep. You know, or actually, no, send it to me. So the point is, is that what has passed itself off as, quote, Christianity has nothing to do with biblical Christianity. And the thing is, I remember what Derek Prince said, Tom, the problem with uh, Christians is they don't take their faith as serious as Islam, and that's why Islam is winning. Yeah, now, you know, and, an by the, and by the way, we're going to be running some articles at Skywatch Television this week uh, in which we're quoting uh, theologians. And they're, and they're admitting now, they're saying that the biggest danger to the advancement of Christianity in the West is not radical Islam. The biggest danger to the advancement of the gospel in the West are institutionalized American Christians. Isn't that astonishing? Boy, is that true. That is astonishing. And again, ladies and gentlemen, with the rising of the real will come the persecution of the false. In other words, by the false, not of the false, by the false. I would say this. If you were, if I were to tell you one of the most important books that Tom Horn has ever written that I love, by the way, Tom, obviously I'm just talking in the context now, Blood on the Altar is an absolutely critical read. 
I got an email, what I call a soggy piece of toast, doped, you know, someone telling me, well, we just have got to get together and be united and somehow everything will be fine. You know, I think I put it on the radio that if we just had flash mobs praying up and singing tunes, okay, so we get flash kumbaya instead of, you know, it only takes a fire to keep a, or a spark to keep a fire burning. You know, Tom, when I first got saved, that thing literally gagged me. You know, that's how it is with God's love. That's not how it is with God's love. So stupid songs have, have stupid effects. But the point being is, is that people have got to recognize that whether they want to or not, they are in the battle for their eternal souls. And literally, to have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the gospel of peace, and you're going to have to basically make the effort, make a minor uh, movement towards God and in repentance and see how God moves in your life. And people came up to Pastor Langford after Branson. They came up to me. They, they, there was such a, you would have to say this is probably even remarkable to you of being an old, when I say old, uh, a former, you're not old, a former, I almost tripped there. By the way, people, just so you know, I'm older than Tom. And so when I tell him, I tease him, I, I say, I say, Tom, you'll always be younger than me. You know what that means? I'll always be older than you. But the point is, is that they came up to us and thanked us with tears in their eyes. And we look at each other and we just go, wow. I think that was the, I think that was the joy of sitting out there and signing books for people and, you know, allowing, uh, uh, just I would say this, allowing people to share. And, you know, uh, things are going to change, uh, you know, when, when we do what we're planning differently, things are going to change. And we want you to know, ladies and gentlemen, all of you who are there, we love you. Thank you for live streaming. Thank you for ordering the videos. And the videos are available only now after, uh, I think, Friday. They'll only be available from my website, uh, stevequail.com. You can click on the banner. It'll take you to the order page. We have them in stock. Thank you for being patient, everyone, for uh, waiting for them. That was you know, the, the delay was not uh, anticipated, but uh, everything that can go wrong does go wrong, especially when you're looking at a breakthrough that God gave us. So, you know, Doug, uh, I wanted to thank you for being there, and I wanted to, finally I got to meet Renee, and again, what a helpmate, what a lovely lady. And, you know, the neat thing is, you guys, there is a true fellowship that comes in the in the uh presence of the Holy Spirit and what some people we would, those of us uh, raised up in the Assembly of God days would call in the anointing, and that's what breaks the chains. So, you know, Tom, I think your offers are amazing, but I want everybody to get blood on the altar. Skywatch TV. Go and order that book. You're going to see it play out before your eyes. You're going to see wishy-washy pastors totally sell out Jesus, and they will become your enemy. It's interesting. They don't have the cojones to stand up for Jesus, but they'll sure have the mini cojones to uh, basically stand up with the persecutors against the true followers of Jesus. 
and I said this, Tom, and i got to reiterate this because I just feel impressed to. The technology of the beast is one thing, and you should be aware of it. But more importantly, you should be prayerfully asking God to help you stand in that day, because now it's not a thing in the future, like when Willard Canelon wrote the book The Day of the Dollar Dies, or, or Mary Ralphie, I'm talking almost 40 years ago, uh, When Your Money Fails. Now we're watching it in a techno, uh, what would you say, a techno sales approach that everything's going to be cool when everything you think, do, and say is in your electronic uh, stencil, your hand passed over today. Go ahead, Tom. Yeah, you know, and Steve, this is one of the things, um, and actually, you know, we're here today to talk about saboteurs, and I've told people already about the, the big giveaway with saboteurs, and, and they do need to get that. They really need to get it, get those hardback books, especially with it being the Christmas season and people want to give gifts to, you know, serious students of of history and, and, and biblical archaeology, um, you have to have those hardback books. It, you, you just got to have them. Um, but you mentioned uh, a book, and here's the interesting thing. I mean, when I wrote Blood on the Altar, um, this was just like one of those in-between books, you know, just something I did. I felt compelled to do it. We didn't put any big program around it. We didn't do a bunch of programs. We didn't anything. Um, but I wrote the book because I understood that for both myself and also other students' prophecy, um, there is a prelude in the New Testament. According to the Bible, there is a prelude in history wherein true believers are not only going to be beheaded Revelation 24, beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God and for not worshiping the image of the beast, neither his image, neither receiving the mark on their forehead or in their hands. But when discussing that same end-time scenario, in particular, there is a subject of very rigorous persecution that unfolds on the earth in these end times. And it's mostly overlooked by most of the, you know, so-called prophecy um, circles and blogs and whatever, in which Christians themselves are going to be shaped to war against the true body of Christ. Now think of how astonishing that is. Um, even the concept of a coming war between Christian versus Christian, at first it just seems beyond Credulity, and that's what this book is about. Um, if it weren't for the inspired texts themselves, in which Jesus says, a time is coming when whosoever kills you is going to think that they are doing God a service. And in Matthew uh, 24, where he tells his disciples, they are going to deliver you up to be afflicted, and they're going to kill you. And you're going to be hated of all groups of people for my name's sake. And uh, many are going to be offended. They're going to betray one another. They're going to hate one another. Many false prophets are going to arise. They're going to deceive many. And iniquity is going to abound. The love of many is going to wax cold. So people can read all about that. Uh, you know, Matthew uh, 24, 9 through 12, I think. 
And then elsewhere in the Bible, it describes this coming era of great tribulation is when the Antichrist is going to have power to make war with the saints and to overcome them. It's too bad we didn't have time tonight, because I know we're out of time now, um, to talk about um, why the not uh, the Vatican officially, but officials from the Vatican, um, and very highly placed guardians of doctrine at the Vatican, are now saying that Pope Francis is, get this, is the false prophet of end times fame, uh, and that he is putting together what they, and this is not my words, this is their words, a satanic agenda. And it literally sounds like the fulfillment of the prophecies of Malachi Martin. I'm looking at the clock, and I know we're out of time. Yes, that, we, we, the yes, whole point about the book, Blood on the Altar, has to do with this fact that in the end times, it's literally going to be so-called Christians with parentheses against Christians. And that's what we're seeing unfolding now. A, 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 a symbiosis between blood on the altar and saboteurs, I, I must say, in my review reading of both. And, uh, of course, all of Steve Quayle's works as well, the unveiling of information once hidden. Uh, gentlemen, you, uh, we cannot thank you hey, Doug, enough. Doug, yes, sir. Yes, let sir. me just say one thing, too. All True Legends DVDs, all three of them, are available on my website uh, for 50 bucks. We want to get them into everybody's hands because True Legends 4 is coming out. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's really critical, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, you know, episode 1, 2, and 3 are available for 50 bucks, And then n- number 4, we're working on it. And, and Tom and I will be re- revealing some pretty amazing stuff we're doing in the background. So we'll uh, tickle I, I, your I wanna, ears I, with... I, I want to hear more about the secret project, you guys. Come on, man. Read me in. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, of course. Okay, uh, okay. Well, Don, no. thank you for letting you, us you, come you, on you tonight. Will, you will hear all about it very soon. I've already asked Steve if him and Timothy uh, can come to Skywatch Television. We'll be broadcasting hopefully in January. Uh, uh-huh. It's big, folks. It's big. you got to keep your eyes on this, I'm telling you. Well, well, gentlemen, thank you so much. From the bottom of our hearts, we thank you, two men of God. And uh, I don't know what else to say except God bless both of you, your families. May God keep both of you safe. Thanks for being uh, friends and brothers in in Christ. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time tonight. Bye-bye. God bless you, you, Tom. That'll do it, folks. Until tomorrow, uh, by the way, 9 o'clock a.m. Eastern, Doug Hagman Radio Show, 2 to 3, John and Joe, and then, of course, our flagship show, 7 to uh, 10 p.m. Eastern Time, Global Star Radio Network, BTR, and, of course, YouTube Live. May God bless each and every one of you. I We hope you've been enriched by this broadcast. And, again, thank you, Tech Eric, Jackie, John, and uh, everyone for a great job. Well done. Thank you.